This is Daniel Warren Johnson, uh, creator of Space Mullet, and you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Wow, I had a little bit of mouth noise before that. I kind of liked it. <laughs> I don't like that. <laughs> that is not good. That was that was a little dirty. That was dirty. Well, considering what we were talking about before, we right, court, which right. I haven't done yet, so let me do that now. Oh, always on the ball, Daffaroni. I'm on. There he is. I'm excited. You should be, because we have a guest, and it's going to be awesomely fun. That's not even a word. Or a phrase, awesomely fun. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be fun formative. Oh boy, it was a long day. Oh yeah. Yeah, very long day. This working shit has to stop. I hear that. I wish I could just draw all day. That's not work. Oh, I wish you could too. That would please me greatly. Yeah, me too. And dude, it's great until it becomes your job, and then you realize that it's a job as well. It is. I don't know, though. I think I think Vince would have a couple years before he'd hit that point, though. Yeah, well, that's probably true. Yeah. You just have to you have to remind yourself. And then he'd be dead. So. Yeah, <laughs> but, but it's it, it, yeah, it's <laughs> that'd funny. be the end of him. So it, it depends, though. If I if I was drawing something that I created and had a hand in telling the story other than the visuals I'd be like mm-hmm. this is awesome but if I had to draw like Spider Gwen I would probably hate every minute of it yeah I feel you yeah I'm right there with you that said I have the the ultimate Marvel book that you should be working on and I'll tell you later I okay. think mm-hmm. I think you would do you would do a phenomenal job not only in the present but you would do um, right by the original creator because I think you have a little bit of this man in you. And this I, man in me? I guess Ooh. I should have. first time. Yeah, I guess. A little bit of man in him. I sh- should have phrased that better. <laughs> oh, no, not for Ryan. You shouldn't have. It was fine. Uh, and we don't phrase things any better than this. It's 11 o'clock comics, episode 536. And I'm Vince B. Ooh. You are Vince B. I'm so happy that you are and to hear from you and i am david a price yes you are and i'm coming at you from the great beyond because i am bruno leopoldo francesco san martino oh you gotta bring the room down really i oh, mean i'm looking down i'm looking down from heaven on you guys yeah i life love was, bruno life was good, but death is better he was a great <laughs> wrestler he was you know he was only 510 yeah yeah short, short little yeah. guy yeah 5'10-265. That's pretty crazy. Most of that was hair. That's like an Italian wall. Yeah. And what's crazy romantic is that he passed away just a few months after his wife passed away. That always happens. Yeah. Happened to my grandpa. Happened, yeah. Happened to my grandparents, too. Yep. He was oh, like, lugging him out. <laughs> this is my life mates up there. I'm going up there. But you're not Bruno San Martino. You're Jason Wood setting me up with an awesome death segue to introduce <laughs> to introduce our, our wonderful guest for this episode. He is an amazing artist. Uh, we've had him on here before. You've heard him. 
Uh, hopefully, we won't we won't rehash any of the past. Among his many wonderful creations, God hates astronauts. Yes, we got the um, trash bridge that he's doing with uh, Steve Seeley and Jim Terry. The awesome curse words with Charles Soule and uh, blast furnace and many other things. He may he has little resin. Uh, figures made of his characters. He is amazing, and he's Ryan Brownie. Hi, everyone. Nice, uh, <laughs> nice to talk to you guys again. That was a great intro. Thank oh, you so guys. much. It was. He's the I best. Got, I got like super depressed for a while uh, about all the um, old people dying that you were talking about, and now <laughs> I feel I feel like You're energized. Motivated. I'm ready. Nice. Let's do You're it. Born. I lift yep. you up. Yas. Right? Absolutely. There you go. And you know who else elevates your life in many, many ways? That's Discount Comic Book Service. Yeah, they do. They, they bring do. you up where you want to be, and that is in a multitude of comic book goodness. You can get your books, get them fast, get them delivered right to your door for a fraction of the price. Such as, here are our spotlight specials for the month from Marvel. It's that no surrender thing. The Avengers. Yow. This thing is hot. It uh, is a hardcover, collecting issues 675 to 690. That's a bunch of comic goodness in there. The cover price is $50. That's a half an hour on a Saturday night for most people, but not for you. <laughs> you can get it for $25. That's mm. half off. Mm-hmm. Boys' pants. Um, from Dark Horse, it's the Gantz Omnibus. Written and drawn by Hiroya Oku. This guy's great. Uh, cover price, twenty four ninety nine for the equivalent of three manga volumes. So do the math. Twelve ninety nine per volume times three is not twenty four ninety nine. It's like you're getting one free. But you're super smart and you know where to get your books. You can get this for $12.49 from Discount Comic Book Service. Mm-hmm. And last but surely not least... It's some dude named Alan Moore. You may have mm-hmm. heard of him. And uh, his compatriot, Kevin O'Neill, are cooking up what is purported to be the final installment in the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen saga. This one is called The Tempest, going out like the Sandman, I guess. Um, cover price is four ninety nine. Your price, because you're in the know and you know where to go, $2.49. DCBService.com. Don't tarry. Get there. You know, uh, every time you do this uh, month's DCB spot, I feel like you are casting a side eye on the claim Alan Moore's making that this is the last volume of. Um, yeah, the, you shouldn't feel that way because that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You're always saying it skeptically, though. You're like purported. I don't like, think it mm-hmm. is. I don't think he can quit it. Okay. I really don't. You're probably right. Here's a bunch of amazing public domain characters. You can use them all at once, however you see fit. No, no, I don't want to do that anymore, mate. Like, what? Come on. And people people love it. (laughs) That was my British accent. He's Aussie. He's an Aussie all of a sudden. That was was great. Shut up. And uh, (laughs) so I I really don't think he's... I don't think he's going to completely walk away from the league. I don't think he's ever going to completely walk away from comics either. Mm-hmm. I don't see it happening. All right. He's like, okay. How how old is he? Do you guys know? Seven hundred and forty-three, I think. Oh, he must be at least. 
It's as old as the Earth. It's two thousand years. Wow. I believe Alan Moore is sixty-six. He is sixty-four years old. Okay, sixty-four. November nineteen fifty-three. Well, at some point, you just want to stop making things up. I mean, not everyone is that way. Do you but... know? Well, yeah, some people might say, "Does Alan Moore make things up?" Since the, everybody likes to point out oh, how he damn. borrows other. Shots fired. I'm saying that that's what he. That's what a lot of the. So sometimes like he, he might just want to give up on being told that he doesn't actually make things up and, you know, go sit on a beach somewhere. With Glycon, the puppet snake. Seem like a beach kind of guy. He's going to sit on a beach and then he's going to be completely Most sunburned of... except for under his giant beard. <laughs> Basically the rest of his body. He'll look and like all, he his, has all his finger rings and stuff. He'll have a flesh bib. <laughs> a flesh bib. <laughs> Uh, this is off to a riotous start. It well, is. you've got to imagine the hair under his beard is like baby soft, right? You it's think? never been exposed to the elements. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Like, if you have a giant beard that's constantly draped down your chest, your chest has got to be doing all right under the beard. Right? Yeah, but isn't it? But, but once you bathe it in the blood of the innocent as many times as he has, don't you think he gets a little nappy? No, because I think but, since they're innocent, that's like super pure, clean stuff, right? Okay. Yeah, that's what makes... That, you ever notice how shiny his beard is? That's why. All right. It's, I, it's I'm just sacrifices. wondering where the evil magician part came in. He's not evil. No, who said he was evil? Well, he just said bathe in the blood of the innocent. That's pretty evil. Is it, though? I think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you don't. You don't see, you know... Good people bathing in the blood of the innocent. They... It's all a relative thing. I mean, the dark arts are the dark arts. But he's not dark. That's the thing. He's not. He's he's he's, he's... not. Oh no. no, he's not. Oh, how dare I? His bio photo for years was that shot of him with his head down, looking up at you, yep. like staring into your heart, yep. and mm-hmm. uh, making me feel terrified. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, like I've never met him, but. Uh, he certainly wanted me to be scared of his eyes. So, who knows? Yeah. I love him. Well, that's for sure. And you know what I love? I love it when, mm. when my, my buddies are drinking libations. Oh, oh mm. libation. Yeah, what do you have? Who are you, who are you talking to? I'm talking to you. Well, I'm, I'm drinking the grape. Yes. Yes, sir. I am drinking uh, Sterling Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, so they don't. can't go with wrong with the Cabernet. You say you really Cabernet, can't. and I say Yay. I think I could drink Cab every day. Wow. Yes, I think we're rapping Cabernet every day. Smoke weed, so and you, Cabernet. Vince? Ryan's like, hmm? why did I agree to this? <laughs> I don't know. To God, the things I have to do. No, if like, I just I, sit. I, if I sit here and don't say anything, it's just like I'm listening to the podcast. <laughs> and then I have to realize that I have to say things. But go ahead, guys. What am I drinking? I am drinking the wine from Between Worlds. I don't know the name of it. It's it's wine in a Crown Royal bottle. Um, <laughs> it is. Oh, I, but um, it, it, I, Yes, it's in a Crown Royal bottle. I told you. Um, it was made small batch by someone local. It was given to me, and I don't know where it is, where it came from, or who made it, or or what it, what um, 
strata of wine it is. I don't know if it's a Cabernet or a Merlot. I don't know, but it tastes good. It tastes a little bit like a Cabernet. Mm-hmm. It's got a little dry snapback to it. Um, I like it, but it's uh, completely unidentifiable. Sorry. Wow. Okay. It's yeah. like you're drinking wine on a dare. Yeah. You know, yeah. You're like taking your life into your own hands because of this wonderful wine adventure you might go on. Yes. I'm not I too like fussy it. about what I put in my body. Yeah, yeah this is true. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, and, and what, yeah, yeah. What, and no matter in, which order. In, in any spot that's open. What, it's uh, true. What, what are you drinking, right? Um, I am drinking a Pipeworks, which is a Chicago brewery. Uh, it is called Blood Orange Guppy. And it's a session IPA with blood orange and honey. Mm. And um, it's all right. It's all right. I never had it before. So, you know, just for you guys, I thought I would drink something new. Aww. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. I hope it pleases you. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. Very cool. Um, I am trying something new tonight as well. Um, I had this plan, but I didn't think it all the way through because I would have had something a little bit snazzier since it's someone's 80th birthday today. So instead of, I'm not, we're not celebrating that right now. And since the person who is on the show with us this evening uh, has work published by and continues to have work published by Image, uh, this is a, like Jason, Cabernet Sauvignon from 2016. This is The Walking Dead. Ah, what? Because, all right, all right, all right. Because nobody's made God hates absinthe yet, so I have to settle for this. So, oh, do, do you do you know who did the label for that wine? Uh, it is. I'm gonna say Tony Moore. No, it's definitely not Moore. It's and it's a little. It's kind of blown up, and and it's not as. I don't think this would be Ed Larden. Guadiano, so I, I don't know, and I didn't, I didn't mess with the app yet to see the label come to life. Uh, oh, so, does it really? <laughs> yeah, there's it's just like the 19 Crimes. There's an app, and it can uh, really, and, yeah. There, there's one of um, one of the labels is I think Carl, Coral in in a um, uh, in, in in some like pantry or or, or cupboard type setting, and uh, I am, and it's it's. Uh, it's like he's 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 moving towards some walkers, and uh, and actually and there's and there's sound with the animation as well. But this one this one because it's a bunch of walkers heading towards you and one with um with his arms stretched out. Uh, I kind of want to see if there may be like somewhat of a of a three D ish effect. But it is it is I'm I'm it's pretty it's good. I'm not uh, I was gonna say I'm not exactly blown away by it, but I mean for for a a uh if you want to call it gimmicky type wine it's um it is i it i like it i, I like it more than i expected to i didn't i didn't think it was going to taste like vinegar but it was it's huh. it's a lot it's a lot better than i expected it to be what is it uh chris burnham drew it really wow oh, shit. Oh, nice i could see that huh what if it's an insidious plot by the people who distill that stuff and they put zombie blood in every bottle like you're gonna turn soon 
it's much more likely that unlabeled Crown Royale bottle <laughs> is filled with zombie blood. Much more likely. Zombie poop. <laughs> Do zombies poop? They have to poop, right? Everybody no. poops. Yeah. No. They don't poop? No. What do you think? Yeah, well, where does all that the all the meat? Are, they're dead. They're dead. They're dead vessels. They don't have any circulatory system at this point. Right, but it's okay, just, like, just just like a sausage. Yeah, but see, if you had a sausage casing, right, and you kept jamming meat into the sausage casing, there would <laughs> be a time <laughs> when the stuff would come out the end of the casing. Right, it just couldn't hold more meat. Well, than the thing it, is, though, if it, Yes, they are consuming, but are, is it digesting? Is it breaking down? Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm pretending like it's not digesting. They just keep jamming meat into their More intestines. Just to, like, spill out of their their that's belly. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, that's cool. Rupture their intestines. That them. needs to be right, explored right. in future episode. We'll yep. see if. Wow. No. No, this is a horrible transition because <laughs> Kirkman's looking for ideas. Because I was going to do a shout out, but now that we're just talking about entrails and and. Poop. Shitting, I don't know that it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, and he says you. shitting, and I say. Well, poop. I guess in a way it is because it's it, it's the other end of the cycle of life. <laughs> did we shout this out last week already? We did not because it was okay, in perfect. it was in the process during okay, our good. last episode. Uh, huge, huge shout out to the Gordon family. Most of you listeners uh, know one of those members well, which is Jonathan, who is uh, the current reigning. EOC logo creator for back-to-back years, and as a result, uh, has been retired from future entrance. But uh, but an even bigger exactly, an even bigger shout out to his beautiful wife Neve, and even a bigger shout out to their brand new beautiful baby girl Bridget, uh, who was born this week. And uh, everyone is happy and home, and um, Mazel to them all. Jonathan was actually going to be on the show. Um, Last Very week. soon, last week, right? Yeah, because um, because of uh, he was all set to do that from as part of the reward for for being chosen for the logo, and and lo and behold, the baby came, and so uh, he will be on as soon as his life settles down. Yep. But much love to the Gordon family. Babies as beautiful as the mama. Faux yes. show. Yep. Thankfully, thankfully, Bridget looks like her mom. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's get. Well, just... Jonathan's part of the. He's he's one of us because he's married well above himself. Oh sure, right. Sure. I mean that's that's what life's about. <laughs> Brian yeah. did the same. Yes, I tried. <laughs> I tried really hard. Mister Brownie. Yeah. Why don't you tell us all about this Kickstarter? You you uh, annihilated Kickstarter. If anybody wrote the book on how to humble Kickstarter, how to make it his bitch, it's you. You had a bunch of very successful Kickstarter campaigns. Of which this is probably going to be another one. So why don't you tell us about it? Tell us about this. It's already, it's already met its goal. Well, I want to yeah. hear more. Yes, sure. Um, so I did a book called "God Hates Astronauts" for years and self-published it, and had as a web comic. And you guys pimped it a lot very early on, which was awesome. And then I did a Kickstarter for it, and it did really well. And it did well enough that Image released it. And I did 10 more issues through Image. Um, and then I had to quit doing it because of many reasons. Um, mainly because doing a monthly book all by yourself is way too much work. Um, so I decided I wanted to do some more God Hates Astronauts stories because it consistently is the thing I get asked about the most. Um, but since I'm doing a 
monthly book at Image right now that isn't God Hates Astronauts, I decided that I would try and trick other artists into drawing God Hates Astronauts <laughs> stories for me. Um, and that's what the Kickstarter is. So it's a standalone hardcover, and it's called 3D Cowboys 2D Spectacular. And 3D Cowboy is a narrator of God Hates Astronauts, and he um, constantly breaks the fourth wall. Um, but in uh, the most recent God Hates Astronauts stories, he got arrested and sent to prison. So in the new book, he uh, he has to... Uh, he's in jail, and his uh, shitty son, 3D Millennial is forced to visit his dad in jail and learn the art of storytelling. So that's like the framework that I have for doing short stories in the God Hates Astronauts universe. So it's shitty 3D millennial um, being forced to listen to his boring old dad telling stories in prison. Um, and so a different artist draws all of the, um, the I think, 11 different stories. And yeah, so that's that's the book. And it... Uh, it's really fun because I got to write. Uh, I got to write these short stories completely out of continuity for a bunch of friends that I'd never worked with. So, um, yeah, I don't know. The process has been great, and then I took it to Kickstarter, and it got funded in three days, which was also super exciting. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It's 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 really kind of revitalizing me on this whole making comics thing. Is it's so nice to get a book funded um, just truly through people that really love what I do. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been wild. Nice. And uh, what's the laundry list of creators that are uh, participating in this? Um, it's a lot of people that have been either I've known for a long time and haven't worked with, or I've worked with before or people that I definitely thought would say no. Um, so you started with your studio mates. Yeah, so I see. Yeah, right. No, um, Paula Rivera draws um, the first story in the book. And Paula and I went to uh, college together, and we were roommates for a year. Um, and this is the first real time where we worked together uh, on making a comic since we made one together in junior year of college. Um, then James Heron. Uh, drew a, a nine-page story. Greg Smallwood did uh, full art on a six-pager, I think. Um, Xander Cannon, Chris Burnham. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of incredible art, and which is kind of shocking. And um, everybody that I asked said yes, which kind of blows my mind. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Like it's it, it's it's. I think the book is truly fantastic and I feel like I'm allowed to say that because I think it's fantastic because of how good the art is in the book and I didn't do it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's the book. You, uh, you have been, uh, as Vince said, a, you're an experienced Kickstarter dude. So has this, uh, but it's been a, it's been a minute. Has this, uh, just the experience of doing it in the past has this felt easier, less stressful for you this time? Um, it was different uh, because because of the way that social media has changed, because of the way Kickstarter has changed since my last one. Um, like comics are not a big thing on Kickstarter 
compared to the big things on Kickstarter, uh, like board games and tech stuff that, you know, make a million dollars kind of dominate all of the bandwidth on Kickstarter. Um, there, there's still a lot of like great web comics and, and, you know, indie dudes doing, doing comics on Kickstarter, but they don't really like make it up the charts anymore because someone's developed like the greatest wallet that you'll ever need. And then it's made $2 million and that's what gets all the bandwidth. So it's been a very different experience this time. Um, like reaching out to my fans has worked very, very well. And it's been nice to see people on top of it. But now there's so much framework in place for all the fulfillment and the shipping and all that stuff. So I'm hoping that this was going to be a lot less stressful on the back end. Mm -hmm. Um, but it is a really different place. And especially now because Facebook is so restrictive on what content they show people that, uh, like most of my family and friends don't even know I have a Kickstarter going because yeah. Facebook just buries it, um, which, you know, they can do what they want. Uh, but they're a lot more restrictive than they used to be, uh, on that. So that has changed this whole process a lot. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so far so good. It's, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's, the perfect way to get to make my own book, like the way I want to do it. I didn't have to submit anything to a publisher and wait several months to hear back. I didn't have to solicit through diamond and wait, you know, months and months before it comes out. Like it's a whole different process than like doing something through image because I just basically start and I start making my book and I make the book I want to make, which, you know, with image, you can make the book you want to make. They don't, restrict you but when i do something on kickstarter i don't have to get it approved by anyone you know so uh it becomes this different process where it is a big gamble that i'm taking pretty much all by myself so when launching kickstarter it was extremely stressful uh, because i the book was about half finished when i was making my video for the kickstarter and you know, I was pretty deep into this thing. And um, even though, you know, even though all these people working on the book are my friends, uh, they're professionals and professionals need to get paid for their work. So everyone's getting paid for working on the book. So all of a sudden, um, you know, like I, I was asking for 30 grand on the Kickstarter and that 30 grand covered everything but made me zero dollars. You know, like it paid for the printing and the shipping and the packaging and the Kickstarter fees and paying for all the artists and the lettering and the colors and all that stuff. So um, in that sense, you know, any sort of publishing is a gamble. But the Kickstarter, when you don't have the backing of a publisher that you feel like, like if I launch something through Image and it's a total bummer and no one buys it, Image doesn't come trying to get money from me, you know, they just say, let's not do that again. But when I do it through Kickstarter, it's like, well, if this doesn't get funded, then uh, I've done a lot of work and other people have done a lot of work that uh, would just kind of, you know, it would be a huge, you know, not disaster, but it would be a real, real tough thing to swallow if it didn't work. So in that sense, um, doing a Kickstarter was as stressful <laughs> as, as always. 
isn't it cool though to like you said it got funded so quickly i mean right now as we sit here and talk about it you have over 600 backers with two weeks to go and you are um into what your third stretch goal i think or close to your third stretch goal so that's got to be heartening right like because listen you have been you know we've had you on the show many times and you've been very candid i mean you've been because of your desire to do um you know your own stuff uh mainly you know it's it's uh there have been times when it's been you know a, a battle like it's not you know comics aren't uh aren't the easiest gig in the world, right? You do it for the love of it as much as anything else. So it's got to be endearing to know that, that, uh, you know, that you can put out a great product and, and you can get support. I mean, it's, it's, I would hope it's, it's, it's heartening for you. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like this revitalizes me, you know, on, on doing this because after God hates astronauts ended as an image book, um, you know, it was partially because of how hard it was for me to keep the schedule. Um, and it was part because it just wasn't selling well enough to, to pay my mortgage. So, um, you know, like even at the end of God Aids Astronauts as a, a 10 issue series, issue 10 sold, you know, 4,000, something like that. Something that is not sustainable um, through image. But when you do it through Kickstarter and you're not taking a chunk out for stores and for diamond um i can have 600 backers and that gets my book made you know like if i had 600 people buy my single issues it would be canceled immediately so having this kind of true direct market where i can sell to the fans and they know that the money they give me goes directly towards making this book um and not you know, stopping many places along the way and people taking chunks out. Like, I think that's, that's super exciting for me. And I think it's exciting for the people that want to read the book. They know that their money is actually like going really directly into this. Um, and people seem to have really embraced that idea. I mean, some people, some people haven't. And when I've done Kickstarters before, people have um, accused me of, you know, why don't you just do it through image? Are you're being greedy by doing a Kickstarter, um, which I think is super strange um, because it's just a you know it's a pre-order system, just like if you ordered something out of Diamond Previews or you know it, like it's it's the same thing except more money goes directly towards the people who made the book. Mm-hmm. You know, now are you going to? Um I presume this uh, now that it's funded, like the funding will print more than like, you'll be printing more copies than just what like the backers backed. Right. Oh yeah. 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 Cool. That's, that's the idea. Like I, where it currently is, I don't make any money on this. Um, but I make a lot of books, which is what I wanted to do. And they're books I can continue to sell for a while. Um, you know, because like, I, like, obviously all the people that are working on the book other than me are definitely getting paid. And so I'm putting in tons and tons of hours to make the book I want to make and then have copies of the book. And that's why that's what I set out for. And, um, that's super thrilling that I can like actually do that. Um, we can, you know, cause a lot of times like when you self publish things, it's a real gamble. Like I've been working on this other book called Trash Bridge, which I'm self-publishing, and 
I'm sinking money into printing the individual issues. And again, like I haven't made any money off of it, uh, but I sink all the money into printing the issues. And then every issue I sell, uh, I'm slowly recouping my money, but then I'm also running out of issues to sell. So it's like this really weird model um, of trying to like jumping into a hole and slowly trying to build your way out just because you want to make the books you want to make. And it's totally worth it. And that's why I do it. But it's, it's very strange. Hmm. You've experienced all of the uh, all of the the ranges of the comic book market in, in mm-hmm. that regard, like self publishing, straight up self publishing, and trying to sell your books at at at, uh, at cons, you know, and then obviously a couple of successful Kickstarters now. Image, you know, I know that a lot of people are, um, and we're guilty of this, I guess. Like we we kind of speak of Image as the the holy grail of for creators in the sense that obviously the economics of having an image book uh, in terms of what you get to keep are far superior to uh, really any other publisher uh, mm-hmm. if you do go the publisher route. But, um, but, but maybe if you don't mind, like maybe elaborate on, on the other side of it, which is that, you know, it is great to an extent, but there is a point and, and, and not a, not a small number of image books fall into this category where, um, you know, the, the numbers still have to be to a certain point for it to make sense for you to continue it. Um, and I'd love to hear like how like the trades go into it. Cause it seems like sometimes with creators, we maybe don't know as well personally, like you'll hear them say like, Oh yeah, you can't really pay attention to the single issues cause we make all our money off trades. And, uh, I'm sure that's true to an extent, but it's, it's not entirely true, right? Because you need the single issues to sell well enough to, you know, give you the cash flow to continue to live and to especially pay, pay other creators if they're working with you and collaborating. So I don't know, like maybe speak on your experience of about about the image model having sort of, you know, obviously it, it, it was, I'm sure, super exciting when you got to bring GHA to image and we were stoked for it. But then, like you said, at some point you had to pull the trigger and, and end it. Yeah, I, you know, it's I think about it a lot. I talk about it a lot. And I don't know how much you want me to get into the business side of this stuff. Bring um, it. OK, um, so with image. You, it is the best game in town, um, but it operates on a philosophy which I think is really, really excellent and fair, which is they um, allow you to assume a lot of the risk, and thus you get to reap a lot of the reward. Um, meaning, you do a book, you know, they want three issues finished before they'll solicit it. And then it won't come out for another two months. So probably by the time your first issue comes out, you have five issues done. So you're taking a big risk that uh, it will sell. Um, Because Image, for the most part, does not pay creators. Um, But what they do is they take a flat fee for all their books. Um, And so if you don't do well, Image still makes their money unless you do drastically terrible, which I don't think you're ever going to do, but Image still makes their money. Um, so if I sold 100,000 copies, Image would make the same amount of money as if I sold 4,000 copies. So in that sense, it's an unbelievable deal because they realize you know, it's a company created by artists who wanted artists to reap the benefits of their work. So they really are there to facilitate um, 
putting out books. And and it's a crazy model that you don't find in other other mediums, really. Like it's it's like someone is helping you realize, you know, your story and your dream. And then if it does well, you do better. And if it doesn't do well, then you don't do well, you know? So, so all the risk is for the most part still on you. Whereas other publishers might give you a page rate to produce Mm -hmm. something. Um, so that if it comes out and it's a dud, you still got your page rate and you know, they'll probably cancel the book, but you at least got paid for your work. So as an image series goes on, your numbers on single issues will go down, 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 down. It doesn't really matter what your book is unless it's Walking Dead or Saga. Um, your numbers go down, your numbers go down. So you're making less and less money for each issue you put out. Uh, the hope is that on your first issue, you'll make a lot of money. Like, you know, you'll, you'll make a good chunk of money that you can save and reinvest in the book later on down the line when your issues aren't selling as well. Um, and so when you get enough issues out there to make a trade, you solicit the trade, they print the trade, then you get every six months, you get a statement from image about how your trade is doing, how the money is doing with the trade. So when it prints, you go way in the hole, depending on how many copies they print. Um, so, you know, some creators have, books where they get big checks because their books have are well in well in the red and um are the black which the black, I don't, yeah I the, black. the black they're well in the mm-hmm. black and um they make the creators a lot of money and then other times you know your book sold out and had to go back to press and so they they dip into that pool of money from sales to reprint it and so it's this kind of thing that um Again, if your trade does really, really well, then you can make a lot of money. If it doesn't do really well, um, you can kind of sit there and it doesn't really do anything for you. Um, but but the model is great and it's it's super fair. Um, you know, pr- printing is a lot like uh, movie theater popcorn, where um, in printing, you know, the, there's a standard fee to quote turn on the machine, right? So a new job is started. So here's a thousand bucks. Just start the job. Just to turn on the machine. So mm-hmm. the idea is you want to get enough pre-orders so that you can be feel safe printing more because the more you print, the less each unit costs. So you know it's the type. It's movie theater popcorn. So a large might be five dollars, and an extra large, which is like twice as much, might be six dollars. Um, printing the same way. So like with this. God, it's astronauts hard to cover. Um, I was going to print 2000 which, you know, cost me like, I don't know, it was like $9,000. Or I could print 3000 and it cost me like $11,000. Right. Right? So the unit cost goes completely, like, they become a lot more profitable for each one you sell. So that's why when a book is available for pre-order through Diamond, creators ask for you to, you know, pre-order at your store because... That's how you really help the creators because the more pre-orders, the more they will print, the more money they will make off each one they sell because it will cost less to print each unit. Um, is that too much? Uh, no, no, this is great. Kind of so, okay. so I have a question for you. So we see sure. all the time, um, oh, so-and-so book's gone back to print or, oh, you know, we're back to the third printing. 
Now, mm-hmm. with Image, do, do you as the creators get to sign off on that? Like, because you, you just made reference to them saying, oh, we, we had that, we reprinted. Like, do they hit you up and say, hey, we printed X copies, they're sold out, we need to reprint. Do they give you the option? Because, like you said, if you're not sure you're going to make any money off it, can you be like, oh, I don't know? Or do they just reprint based on their view from Diamond and the retailers and then kind of like the economics are what they are for you? Um, they ask you. They um, do, okay. Yeah, cool. they. They're really good about it. Um, you know, Eric Stevenson and, and uh, Corey Hart, who are, you know, some of the main decision makers uh, there, they're really good at, at guessing how well something's going to sell based on pre-orders, um, advising you on, you know, because, like, image is very similar to self-publishing where I can say, you know, we want this paper stock. We do not want, you know, like printing on the inside front cover we do not want that like we want this many pages and they can they will tell you how much money you're saving by not having those so like with the first trade of curse words um it's a it's a 9.99 trade it's like the image model of uh giving you the first one for cheap so that you get into the story so we took out as many bells whistles as we could, which is what most creators do to try and not lose their shirt on making it so cheap. Um, but, but you know, like, as I said, the whole thing with when you're talking about going back to press and reprints, those things barely make the creators any money because they're a new printing job, right? So what getting a second printing does is it's, uh, really good PR, and it's a great sign because it means people bought it, and there were enough requests from stores to Diamond that they couldn't fulfill, so they said, hey, Image, will you reprint this? Uh, and then Image asks you, and then you decide, but um, it, the game in printing is you never want to sell out, right? You always want to be in print, and if uh, I, I printed, let's just say I printed 10,000 of this thing, and then it sold out and I had to print another 2,000. Well, it would have made me more money if I had printed 12,000 to begin with. So when you sell out of something, it's a little bit of a bummer. But it's also nice to know that people are actually buying your thing. So like when you go back and you do your second printing, that is a new job. That is turning on the machine again, right? So you start all over with the price of printing your book so instead of printing ten thousand you're printing two thousand so that changes um you know you just have to pay that whole like startup fee all over again and and is there a number roughly that you think like terms of monthly issues where it makes sense to continue or does it vary based on the needs of the creator. Like I, I presume there's like some number monthly, like I just, and I, I asked that because when I look at like the image monthly numbers, it seems like you don't see most image books kind of getting canceled until they fall like below, like say the, I don't know, five, 6,000 copy market seems like they kind of keep going above that. So is that kind of like roughly the threshold where, where it starts being hard for an artist to, or a creator to, to really turn any kind of profit? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it depends on how much you, want to pay yourselves for making the book. Um, like I, on, on curse words and on God, curse words, I was being lettered and colored by not me. So I had to pay those people every month, no matter what. Um, so it's like the standard image fee 
plus paying those people whatever I'm paying them. And that determines for me when I get like you can there's simple math you can do on how much money you get when you sell X amount of copies. Sure. So for me, like around six thousand is where you're still making a little bit of money, probably for your book to keep it going. But there's the other thought that you keep it going when it's, you know, not making any money for you in order to get the trade paperbacks Mm -hmm. and get those in print. And then hopefully, you know, a year from then you make some money on that trade paperback. Right. 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 But from, from what, you know, like there's, there's a misconception with image stuff since image stuff, you are, you are taking so much of the risk on your shoulders as a creator uh, that image is not really when image books disappear, it's almost always because the creators felt like they couldn't afford to do it anymore. It's not uh, Eric Stevenson saying, uh, we don't think your book sells, so you have to end. Mm-hmm, right. I mean, maybe sometimes that is it, but I think for the most part, books aren't canceled by image. They are creators who um, it's not selling well enough for them to feel like it's worth it. Yeah, that makes sense. I have a question. Go ahead. Um, And it it has to do with multiple printings. Um, Mm -hmm. So wouldn't it make sense that Image adopt a buyer's premium for second and third printings? Say uh, an issue sells out. And like you said, the machine goes back on for the reprinting of issue number one because it's sold sold out. Mm Mm-hmm. Why not charge a dollar more for the second printing? The buyer should have to pay a premium for not being there on the ground floor because you're not making as much per issue. So in order to recoup some of the money that you had to pay for this very small print run in relation to the original print run, which was multiple times what the second run was, why not mm-hmm. charge four ninety nine for the issue? It, w- it would condition buyers to take a chance so they wouldn't have to, you know, get on a hot thing later on down the line and pay more per issue. Do you think that's a good idea to just kick the price up on multiple printings just a little bit, like say a buck or maybe even 50 cents an issue? They, the, the buyer would have to pay more because they're late to the game and it costs you more to make it. Yeah, I, I understand that thinking, but uh, the your store would then have to pay more right to, mm-hmm. to have the book in stock. And especially with um, the way things are going in comics, these stores are taking a gamble, right? Um, and if you sell out of something frequently, uh, if you sell out of something, then you're okay with that. And then you don't reorder. Like a lot of stores will just say, there you go. Now we know how many to order number two, and we're not going to mess with taking more risk on this book, more risk on the number one that those might sit there. Um, so, but from a collector standpoint, I always think it's so funny, like because people want that number one and they don't want the second printing. So I think that that would be a deterrent for collecting standpoint if it costs more. But, um, the the joke of it always to me is that the hardest the the lowest print quality quantities you're going to get of a comic 
or like the second and third and fourth printing of an image book um, because they pretty standard. It's about 2000 is what they'll print. So those should be worth a lot more because they're a lot more rare. Right. Um, but just because it says second printing on it, uh, people don't, it doesn't have that, you know, collector's appeal to it. Right. And you know how the game works in the comic shops. As soon as the PR comes out that issue one of massive dick fighter sold out, they go to their racks and take all the unsold copies of Massive Dick Fighter off the rack, and they charge a premium for them. Sure. So just because it's, the, you know Image sends out a press release saying it's sold out, yeah, it's sold out at Diamond, which doesn't necessarily mean that every store has zero copies. They still have stock. So, oh, yeah. They, oh, I mean, yeah. The, the shops are making their money on it. Yeah, I mean, it, that's... If if they continue to be hits like that, but you know, a lot of times a book will sell out and then it just doesn't generate enough buzz. Like a book can sell out because nobody knew about it, right? Um, and so stores in general they just didn't order enough. Maybe they ordered like two copies for their rack, and that's what most stores did because it was made by creators people didn't know or the word didn't get out enough, and mm-hmm. so then that is sold out very fast and then they have to go back to to print because of that and the other way that you can sell out is if your book is actually popular and stores ordered 40 copies and they couldn't keep it on the shelves and that is the more of the scenario um, that you know those issues get valued higher than the ones that just very few copies were ordered right um, you know, and the other thing that happens, and you you see this a lot with comics, is that issue two becomes the hardest issue to get um, because stores genuinely, like um, stores, have their own math that they'll do. Some will order um, half as many of two as they did of one, or uh, three quarters as many of number two as they did of one, and then when two comes out, uh, there's this whole thing of people being interested in the book now, now that two is out. And so they buy two, but they can't get one. And so then they have to buy the reprint of one, but then twos were undersold or were underordered because they still had one sitting there. And then two becomes actually the harder issue to get than number one. Right. It's very confusing and strange. I've seen that many, many, many times. And you are going to do a book called Massive Dick Fighter, aren't you? I think someone's already done that. It sounds <laughs> it sounds familiar. Yeah. So are are so we are we covered guys. on the the business side of things for right well, now? Well, on the on the business I, side, I, yes. I just I, before Kickstarter, well, I have one more image question that you can hop in. I uh, yeah, sure. the I I know it's a flat fee for the issues. Now I've heard that um, image gets a little bit of a of a like a of more of a like a, a royalty type of thing on the trades. Is that is that true? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it, it's it's pretty minimal, and I, again, it's the type of thing is if your trade does better, you make a lot more money. You yeah. know, so um, it's by far the fairest place you could ever um, work for, uh, like beyond fair, honestly. And that's why they have attracted so much good talent. Hmm. It's yeah. also why it's weird that uh, Skybound is. Uh, <laughs> it's got like a uh, do we different... want to go into that? <laughs> no, I'm just, I mean, well, I don't no, think it's a no, no, no. 
No, it's I, not. But I mean, Skybound I, has a different model, and it's ironic. I think it, it's very ironic, yeah. which is why I'm saying I haven't. I don't know if I've had enough wine where we can really. Yeah, no, get you into go ahead. I know tonight. you have a question that uh, I keep cutting you off on. So please uh, go ahead. No, what were you going to say? <laughs> is your question God's hate? God hates astronauts related. In, in a way, to to it, it's it's related to the Kickstarter. It's, it's okay, good. It's it's, it's, it's me kind of busting balls on uh, busting Ryan's balls. Um, wow! All right, let's it, do it. It's, it's, he just said, "Bring it." That's what that was. Let's do it. Bring yeah, it. let's go. So, <laughs> um, it, it's well. First, it I'm I am extremely happy for you. You don't you don't understand until you come out with God hates absent. It, it, it's one of those things where I I. I physically get happy when you're one of the people who, when you come out with a Kickstarter and it gets, it, it just, it hits the ground running and, and everybody jumps onto it and, and it succeeds and, and, and it's funded within you know, minutes. And that makes me happy. Unfortunately, because of that, when, when you, when you drop it, when you, when it launches, when, when I'm in a meeting at work and I cannot take advantage <laughs> of of the early bird back specials, um, it it hurts. So I was physically happy as I'm also physically pained by by not. Be, and as I was scrolling through and seeing everything that was no longer available, one of them um, I was a little surprised about because I I already have backing your previous projects. I already have. I have a blast furnace t-shirt and I have an early God hates astronauts t-shirt. So I'm, I'm good on the t-shirts front. The last thing my wife wants to do is wash more of my goddamn t-shirt. So I'm trying <laughs> not bring home and, and, and accept as many t-shirts. So I was a little bummed that the, one of the early bird, uh, specials was a, was the book, a sketch, which is awesome by itself and a shirt, but not a sculpted figure. Mm-hmm. So, I, I was okay with missing that because since I didn't want a shirt, and I really want to What in the hell? That is awesome. The mothership. What was, was that? <laughs> the, are you outside? Are you getting picked up from, from, from the Y? What? Me? <laughs> it sounded like an airport. Oh, there's a train that goes by. That is uh, awesome. Yeah, I meant, I meant Four Star Studios where uh, I work out of. thought yeah. you were living in Seven's apartment. Yeah. <laughs> that was that was the spaceship. So, what were you saying now? What are you mad at me about? <laughs> I, no, I'm not I'm not mad. I'm happy for you, but I'm I was and and it's worked out in my favor because as Vince Giggles. Uh the basically I'm I'm just I'm miffed that I missed the early bird opportunities. And now I just have to figure out which which tier, which level I want to to pledge at for the book. And for a um, a three D toy because I it, it's it three D cowboy the same model because I think Vince and I got one of your only few of of that um, of that flavor at, at New York Comic Con that year so that sits right here on my desk when we record every <laughs> week um, but it it was just one of those I was just looking at at I wasn't and this isn't really a thing that we have to go down to but I was just trying to figure out what your mindset was when it came to certain rewards and what you were going to bundle with, with the, um, with the books and things like that. But sure. Yeah. I can talk about that for a second. Cause that's one thing that's changed. Um, since I did my last Kickstarter is there are services that allow, um, 
they build you an online store in the survey so that when you are filling out your survey, um, if you back the book, you can add things to your order and it's put into the whole uh, spreadsheet that I get at the end for sending everything out. So uh, I tried to stress that in a lot of like in the Kickstarter over and over again, um, because, you know, Kickstarter has this whole thing where they don't provide any sort of a la carte ordering. You know, you can't say I want A, B and C in here. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to just back at levels and hope that there's one that has all the things you want. Um, so uh, the plan is that I'm going to use one of these services that will allow you to um, add things like a 3D cowboy uh, resin figure uh, while you are like filling out your survey. So if you get the um, wrapped in plastic edition or your book is my new wife edition or any of the, the weird levels I have, you can add a shirt or whatever you'd like uh, at the end. Excellent. Nice. I'm looking out for you. I appreciate that. And, and you made sure, and speaking of looking out, so you, so you made sure that as, as you, as the art was coming in, uh, that, that the pages were tangent free. Oh boy. I really think they are. <laughs> I think they are. Right. Just got to maintain that, 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 that level. That that's all. Well, he Since has... they're not exactly, they're not going to be bundled with, you know, some of the back matter isn't going to be, you know, Ryan's early morning warm up sketches that those don't exist. So, and, <laughs> nope, and we're not, and we're not. not, and we, and, and that's another Avenue. We don't necessarily have to go down tonight for people who, um, they want to have that conversation with Ryan at, at a convention, but uh, just not this year. The, um, but no, I, I think uh, I'm, I'm very happy for you. Congratulations nice. on, on this being made successful. So, so quickly. And I will, I will go ahead and make my, my pledge. So this way uh, I can get that survey. Well, thanks weeks. guys. This has been great. Yeah, well, he had, me on. He Good has, night. Okay. He has James Heron in there. So, you know, there's quality. Oh, right. Gosh, yeah. Those pages are <laughs> crazy that james did yeah, of that course. Is... now okay now now okay for because we know james is repped by felix um and but because these are your friends who are working on your property um does james own his pages or or i mean are these since since these are yours how did that I, that's kind of a skyboundish question but i mean how did that come down to um so so your friend's did their stories handed in the pages so they could be in the book and then and then you just turn around and hand the pages back do you own anything that that they worked on how, how did the um, well you know i own all god hates astronauts um obviously like that's why another reason why image is great and um i can be do i can do it at image and then i can go back and can do it by myself um because I own all the rights to, to it as a comic book and a property and toys and movies or whatever. Um, another reason why image is amazing. Um, so with doing that, uh, like I am buying three of James's pages because the art is so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I'm really excited about that. Uh, but, um, you know, it's, it's, we don't have any, I didn't draw up any contracts or anything. It's, we're all friends and, um, 
you know, they're they're doing artwork and I'm going to pay them for doing the artwork and, you know, they can hopefully sell their originals and um, okay. I'm going to give them a bunch of copies of the books, however many they want to sell or, you know, build a fort out of or <laughs> whatever, whatever strikes their fancy. You know? All right. Before we move on uh, from God Hates Astronauts, I don't know whether our uh, listeners... Um, know about this little incident or not, but one of the most prized possessions in my collection is my copy of Goats Eat Castanets. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, um, it was it 2015, I believe, uh, you had this printed, and it was I at... I think so, yeah. It was at the New York Comic Con, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what Ryan did was he completely revamped the first issue of God Hates Astronauts, um, rewriting all of the dialogue, all of the narrative boxes, um, boats, horse, clam bake, uh, into something totally new. He took an existing piece of art that he created and reworked it into something totally new. And the the reason why I I treasure this thing is because I, I love it when an artist will take like i said something that exists and transform it into something else and it's a different experience than the first issue of god hates astronauts um i think it's just as funny in in a oh, more thanks yeah um I, I i reread it often i don't know why <laughs> i i don't know why i just love it um i i have never compared it to the original issue did you modify any of the artwork no. Okay. No, I didn't. So it's Other just, than adding some word balloons um, and making making room for dialogue and stuff. There's that. There's that one page of backstory where I took the narration box and covered the entire panel right. of artwork. So right. it's just narration and a, like a weird side story about hobos or something. It's gigantic. Yeah. And uh, for those playing at home, what Ryan did was he um, stripped all the color out of the the cover it's just his line work and he eliminated stargrass's head and cape and if you bought the issue he would on the spot draw mm-hmm. you a, a whatever you requested in the, the 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 space of stargrass's head and i chose a a giant penis and that's what Ryan, yes, Ryan drew for me. I remember doing that. And it says Nicole. dong block on it. It's amazing. I love this thing. <laughs> I, I, I didn't bring it up for any other reason to tell you that I just love and cherish this issue. Oh, that's that's great. I, I Thank you for compromising me and making me draw a penis for you. Um, <laughs> and it's bent. <laughs> it's bent. It's such a giant penis that oh, it, yeah, yeah. It, it hits the logo, the goat's hate. <laughs> Does it really? And it, okay, yeah, and I don't it, remember and that. That's it good. bends no, at a 90-degree like angle. Like it. It's amazing. It's like a... It's a huge phalus. It is. And I love it. And I just have to thank you for doing it. Uh-huh. Thanks. Thanks for liking it. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, I was Thanks very tempted me. to order the, uh, the mistress... <laughs> Tier of this book, just because the solicit was so well written. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I that I know. Well, some of those I have the backer levels were just a joke, and I didn't think anyone would actually back them. Two, pe- two people did back the secret mistress so far, though. Yeah, I don't think anyone has anyone. I don't think anyone's backed the wife. 
Maybe they have, but maybe that says something about my readers. No, nope, no, no wife backers yet. Yeah, no wife backers, but two mistress backers. Um, be sleeping with a couple books. I love it. I gotta back this. I didn't do it yet. I, okay. I am. I am a proud backer. Yeah, <laughs> of course you are. Of course. What's going on? What's going on with the Kickstarter homepage? It's nasty. Like when you just go to Kickstarter. You've been in a while, huh? Yeah, it's blah. Like uh, Ryan said, they're all grown up. This yeah. is this is not evolution, <laughs> in my mind. This it's is corporate, man. It's poop. They are corporate overlords now. Man, it's yeah. There's there's been all those weird things people talking about the amount of people that have quit working at Kickstarter and um, whatever's going on there with uh, I don't know. I, like I really don't know. What is what is happening with them? But but they've been nothing but cool and easy to work with on my end. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's been really wild to see. Currently, someone is um, funding a remade version of Fireball Island, which is the '90s board game that wasn't any good. Um, but uh, they remade it because I don't know, maybe. Either they bought the rights from Milton Bradley or it lapsed. It doesn't. It's not really specific, but they are making their own version of Fireball Island. And last I looked, it was well over a million dollars uh, remaking someone else's game. It's kind of wild. It's awesome. I got to get into games, man. What am I doing in comics? <laughs> I just remake other people. I, I want to remake that old game, Crossfire. Remember that game? No. 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 It had a very famous commercial and theme song in the 90s. Sing it for us, will you? <laughs> no, I'll, I'll send you a link to the... Oh, that's I'll no fun. But I yeah, think sorry, GHA would make a great board game. It would be frustrating as hell. Sure. Yeah, no, I actually I worked on the God Hates Astronauts card game for quite a while. Um, and I have a playable version that I play with friends sometimes, but... Uh, I then realized that maybe I should spend my efforts actually making more story rather than making a game. So I made this book instead. But yeah, maybe one day. As long as it's not a collectible card game. No, 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 no. I'm not trying to make everyone miserable and (laughs) and explode their wallets just so they can play and be competitive. Thank you. No problem. Vince has already got one of those addictions in Magic. Yes, it's very true. Yeah. That's a rough one. That is that is like a drug, and you do not want to introduce it into your system because no. you will a ruin far you. more satisfying drug than say rooting for our respective baseball teams. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Dap's laughing over there because Dap's team's like forty two and, and oh right now, but <laughs> the, uh, Mets it's, are, it's the Mets are crushing it. But yeah, well they yeah, they, they tend to. It's it's like they're, they're great nah, out the gate. They dude, just suck at the long start though. Maybe I'll make it to City Field this year. Did they lose again? Did they lose again today? They may have lost again. They did. They did. They lost to the Braves. Yeah. Weren't they playing the Nationals? I mean the Nationals, right? No, no, they beat the Nationals. They beat the Nationals. They're they're up eleven. They were up eleven four last time I checked. Sorry, Chris Spencer. Oh. They uh, they rocked Ryan Madsen for six runs in one in one uh, in one third of an inning. No way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Sorry. And we're losing Vince. He's gone. Oh, Hill, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> Five. When oh, we have crap. one third, when we have one one quarter of our 
Greg LeClaire Memorial League on the podcast. We got to talk about baseball at least for a couple minutes. I agree. Minutes. I oh agree. yeah, absolutely. It's very important. Exactly. <laughs> All right, now Vince, the floor is yours, sir. No, I mean, let's just talk about stuff. Let's talk about curse words. Okay. I I reread the first trade in preparation for this. I, I is the second one even out? Because I don't have it. Yeah, there's a second trade, and we're. Issue 13 came out today. Hey, yeah. Oh, boy. All right, so I'm a little yeah. behind. But I, I don't know. I, 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 I've put you in a place that I reserve for artists like John Severin. So, huh. so yeah, so I, I, you're on the same level as Dap knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, like John, you respect him, but he's old and busted. No, dude. <laughs> that's that's, oh, that's embarrassing. On. So embarrassing. <laughs> um, oh yeah, because come on. But and and let, so I, I will explain. John Severin, consummate artist, could do everything well. Historical pieces. Um, the war stories that that he drew were amazingly detailed, authentic as hell. But John Severin, in my mind, is always a comedy artist. I was even in even in his war stories, I was waiting for the joke or the funny face or somebody to slip on a banana or, you know, um Sylvester P. Smythe to walk into the frame. And it's the same thing with you. Like even in the scenes that aren't humorous, some of the, the, the events of, of curse words are they're downright disturbing, right? Um, I'm waiting for the joke because I associate you with humor. Right, right. Do you do you find that being so good at humor that you're a little bit shackled by it in a sense? It is. I have a lot of problems not being um, who I am in my art. If, if that makes sense, like. There, Who else could you be? There are a lot of people that right? are good chameleons and can do um, different scenes and environments. And I think a lot of it comes out of the fact that I I use no reference and um, and I don't, especially as a monthly book, I don't have as much time to really think about what I'm doing. So I just kind of be myself. Um, and naturally I'd like, I love making jokes in comics. So mm-hmm. it's, that's kind of what I lean towards. Like that's, that's my instinctual way of drawing is to try and be funny. And that's the way I've always been growing up was drawing gag strips and, um, you know, illustrations to make my friends laugh. So, um, I think if I had more time to study, and be more calculated about things. I could probably, um, you know, do a darker story and actually present it as dark. But um, when you just have to do it, uh, it and and you know, and I think that that's something that you don't realize as much until either you're older or until you're doing it for a living. That um, a lot of what you're reading in comics, time is a big reason why things look the way they look. And, um, you know, it's why I have constant continuity errors in all my drawings that possibly people notice, possibly they don't. Um, you know, weapons being held in 
one hand and then they're in the other or, or costumes being different. Um, I, there's a, there's a character in God hates astronauts that's called time giraffe and <laughs> time giraffe. I intentionally drew him in every single panel with his costume different and it's never the same. Even in like two abutting panels of action, it's, it's a different like futuristic like suit design. And to this day, no one has ever said anything to me about it because because I don't think they notice because you're just kind of reading a story and it doesn't matter. And it was, that was like an experiment for me. So now I don't really sweat it and it's made me faster. Like the, my character designs are slightly different and change and they're off and things were in the background of this scene. They should be right behind the character in this next panel. And they're not there because, uh, it was just faster to not have to reference what I was drawing there. Right, right. David you know? notices, though. Yeah, I mean, some people do notice, but, yeah. you know, it's entertainment, yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and I think Sean Dove did a phenomenal job with the logo. The glitch yeah. the glitch is amazing. I love, yeah, it's really good. I love the logo, yeah. But yeah, we, um, we worked, we... Uh, like Sean is a much better designer than I am. And he works in my studio and I had him, he had some books. I think they were put together by Ryan Hughes. I think is the designer's name. He has all these books of found type, like hand done type logo type from posters and um, whatnot. And they're, you know, amazing, amazing books. And it's just page after page after page of like a grid of, uh, things you would see on a grindhouse movie poster that he has just transposed onto, you know, this kind of catalog of all these. So he brought those in and we went, I went through it and I picked uh, one type treatment that I thought was what I wanted curse words to look like. And then Sean scanned that in and then copied and pasted the few letters that were consistent and then we altered them and then he did the whole glitch thing to the to the logo so um i like as a designer i have trouble like being very creative i, I kind of do the same thing over and over again so it was fun to work with sean on that and to actually use reference of other type from some anonymous movie poster from you know the 70s or something All right i love hand hand-drawn type I, I won't use a can font for display yeah. type. I have, I have to do it all by hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but well, that is a very novel uh, effort. It's tough. It's fun though. And yeah, it, sure. And, and it it it's it puts the thumbprint on it, right? It makes mm-hmm. it very unique to the to the designer. But um, so you're we were talking about um, uh, character design and and thumbnails and stuff before we started recording and. And you said that, um, much to my amazement, you don't do preliminary sketches or thumbnails. You just let fly right on the board. And that, to me, is amazing. If you could design characters to the level that we've seen in God Hates Astronauts and Curse Words and, and, and all your stuff, you're, I, I think you're as accomplished a designer as you are an illustrator. That that just boggles my mind that you just drop it right on the page. Well, it, thank you. Um, it 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 comes from it's. I think my brain works in a very referential way, 
And so when I come up with a design, I'm thinking about uh, another design that it should be like. Like this is this type of character that is very similar to a character that I've read in this other book or seen in this movie or this cartoon. Um, but almost every single character in Curse Words, um, other than Wizard himself, the first time you see them in the book is the first time I ever drew them. Wow. Um, like even with, you know, like Syzygy, who's our big, big bad in the series, the first time I drew him is, is the splash page in issue one where you um, see him for the first time. So I was just kind of figuring it out and making it up uh, on the page. Um, you know, like with, with the way that I do comics, um, I'm not, I don't just draw them. You know, I, I, I do all the design of the book. Um, I do final passes on all the colors. Uh, I tweak the letters. Um, I make print files. Um, I do a lot of stuff that isn't uh, just drawing it. And maybe if I only just drew it, I would have more time to um, plan things out a little bit better. Um, <laughs> but 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 the way it is now, it just I just kind of wing it, uh, and I keep keep winging it and you'll i think also because of that you'll see a lot of my characters kind of change in the way that they look over time uh, i also do something that that um that that i really like in character design is i design elements to the character add details that we'll figure out later mm-hmm. um and that 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 that's a clue to something that could be something later on um like with Wizard, uh, when he gets his shirt blown off in the first issue, he has like a, a pentagram like brand on his chest. Uh, I don't know what that means, but maybe we'll find out later. Um, and then also when he loses his beard in issue two, you see that he has a scar across his throat. Um, and again, I don't know why, but... Um, it's details like that that uh, we'll I'll just put in, and then maybe we'll figure out a way to explain it in the story later, or maybe we won't. Uh, maybe it's just a little hint to something that happened in the past. Um, so I, I really like doing that kind of stuff. That's fantastic. I love that. I so love you that. added that, that that that's not something Charles wrote in. You decided to draw oh. the pentagram, draw the scar. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, th- this book is very collaborative. Um, you know. There are a bunch of ideas that are Charles's, a bunch of ideas that are mine, and then we kind of play off each other and go back and forth. Like he started off with, he wanted to do a book about a wizard that was a dick, and then we started talking about how much we both like Fletcher Hanks and the way that Phantoma will use her powers in really bizarre ways that don't really. Um, make logical sense other than it's just fun. Um, like, you know, creating tigers to fall on the parachutes and slash them up so that the invading troops all crash and die. Um, this, that kind of idea. So that's where we started. And then I designed Wizard to be kind of a hipster with a big white beard. Um, and I gave him sunglasses and stuff. And, uh, and then I drew uh, a koala. I drew who eventually became Margaret 
And, you know, Charles said to me, you know, we're not doing a silly book. We don't want talking animals. And I was like, but I really want to draw this koala. And so I convinced him to put it in. And then he figured out who Margaret was going to be. And it really makes all the characters in the story really work having that character. So that was a nice moment of us bouncing ideas back and forth. And then when we were talking about the other evil wizards, um, I had just drawn a picture of a centaur that was a half fat man, half hog. And I thought that that was a really fun, weird wizard character. And that drawing we used to pitch the book to image. Um, and so from there we started talking about who the other wizard, evil wizard will be. And I had the idea because I wanted color to be so important in this book that each wizard was going to be like captain planet style. They'd all have their, their color and their gemstone attached to them. So each of the wizards have their own color and power source. And, and when they're in the scenes, the colors of their magic and the gems that they use for their magic determines the palette of the scene so that, uh, we can have a lot of fun, bright colors. And, um, so then that, that when I started designing characters, um, again, it was the, this kind of thing of I'm just going to put these details in here and we'll figure out what this means later. And then when Charles sees it, it gives him story ideas that he then puts and works into the book. So it's like a lot of feeding. He comes up with ideas that feed into my art and then my art feeds back into his ideas. And um, that's like, I think the most fun way to work. So that page that introduces um, Sijiji, that uh, when he says, um, I'm paraphrasing, uh, Wizard has betrayed us, blah, blah, blah. Um, that it was done in a style that we don't usually see from you. Mm -hmm. it's, it's very um, loose and rough and dark and splotchy and, and, and the, the marks are seemingly uncontrolled. I, that's one thing I associate with you is a very controlled line. Mm -hmm. a sculpted line where this is just like chaos um why just because just to differentiate it from the realm in which the regular story is taking place or did you just well, say i'm just going to go all out and just do something different here well originally when we were talking about having a evil originally it was an evil demon that controlled uh all the magic in this other world, which we call the whole world. Mm -hmm. And um, originally this evil demon was just straight up a demon and realized pretty fast, like I did a drawing of it and it was boring, you know, typical. Um, and so I had this idea that like, what if, what if this character was all of the colors of all the wizards together? Right. But, mm -hmm but like dark side of the moon style, like evil, like black rainbow kind of thing. So um, that's where like we started just like coming up with this idea that he was, he kind of had all the powers of all of his disciples within him. And so he has this rainbow within him, um, but he's, you know, dark and smoky on top of that. Um, and I had done five issues of that book at Image called Bedlam back mm -hmm. in the day. Right. And that was uh, the first time that 
I just tried to figure out how to make a mess. Um, and it wasn't super successful, but I had fun with it. And so I wanted to see what would happen if I introduced that into, into like my traditional style. So, um, it's also, I've found as it's gone on that Syzygy is super easy to draw and super fast. So it is having this messiness about him and being, um, you know, largely kind of a black mess of ink gives me this ability to move faster and economy is um, really important when you're doing a monthly book. Like I remember, I remember reading an interview with Gene Ha about top 10 back in the day uh, about how much he regretted the design of King Peacock's pants <laughs> I don't know if you remember those pants, but they were crazy detailed pants. Um, and so I've always kind of kept that in the back of my mind that if, if I'm going to design someone, uh, I have to be able to draw them over and over again. I mean, similar to the way an animator might think, right. You know, like if you have to draw them over and over again, you gotta, you gotta streamline it in a way. Um, so yeah, so that's that's another thing I always think about, and even even with that, um, Botchko, the the hog tar guy, the big fat guy with the hog legs, uh, he's got all this elaborate armor on him, and he takes a really long time to draw, but he's fun to draw. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. There's all these things that you have to think about design wise uh, when you're when you're and style wise when you're doing it doing it monthly. I just love that page. And I'm hearing John Houseman in my head when Syzygy speaks. Is that what you hear, <laughs> close to what you hear? I mean, you know, I, I can't really speak to that, but that's the one interesting thing about the collaboration with Charles is that he writes all the dialogue. So, um, and I know Charles super well, so I just hear Charles for every character. <laughs> um <laughs> And so, um, for me reading it, I, I can't, I can't detach to know who these characters really seem like, unfortunately. Hmm. And, um, before we move on the Panorama pages with the curse words, um, yeah. logo, I just yeah. love those. I love them. Oh, thanks. They add thanks. so much to the story. Um, uh, thanks. I, uh, we're having a lot of fun with those the the whole baseball aspect of curse words is entirely um, put in for my benefit um, <laughs> and becomes a bigger bigger part of the um, the story um, because they you know in the first issue he disappears Yankee Stadium um, and then uh, that becomes part of the world he creates is based around this baseball stadium that he's stolen and. Um, so a couple times now I've had to draw big panoramas of Yankee stadium and it's, uh, it's not easy. Uh, but you know, when Charles, when Charles is, and I were talking about putting baseball into it he's like, you love baseball. This would be great. And, uh, and so then he writes all these scenes in stadiums. It's like, uh, <laughs> drawing baseball versus drawing a baseball stadium. Like that's, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> It's not. It's not the best thing to to have to draw seats. Seats in perspective uh, at an angle is very tough. Little different. Yeah. 
So how did the uh, how did the bus trip go? And how bad did that bus smell oh, the by the floor. end? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was awesome. It was really, really great. And we we got um, we got a rental van, and we I did a design, and we vinyl wrapped it with the Cursor's logo and drawings of Wizard on the side of the van. Uh, and we drove to 15 stores. There was uh, almost 6,000 miles on the van. And we did a whole sweep, pretty much. I live in Chicago, and we pretty much went due south all the way to Texas and then swept all the way around the coast up to the east coast and then back uh, through to Chicago. Um, but it, it was it was really, really great um, because we, did, we had this whole pageantry and we had exclusive hardcovers we did for the tour. And uh, we wore wizard costumes to the signings and people got really pumped about it. Um, and for the challengers, I assume? Did you start yeah, a challenger? Yeah. Cool. yeah, we started a challengers. Um, mm-hmm. And all, all the turnouts were incredible. And I mean, really, the only big drag about it was um, I still had to draw a monthly book while <laughs> I was on tour. So the tour so lasted Charles 30, did a lot of driving? Uh, well, he did a lot of writing. Like, he had, oh. he had a ton of stuff to do. So we would... Tr- Basically, our schedule ended up being we would um, wake up in a hotel. We would I would start drawing, and he would start writing until we got kicked out of the hotel, and we'd have to, you know, check out time or whatever. Then we would either drive to the next signing or we'd drive to a coffee shop. We'd work in a coffee shop. Then we'd do our signing. Then we immediately get on the road, go to the next hotel, get there at night, check in, start um, working in the hotel, and then go to bed. And that was it every single day uh, to the point where, you know, I bought all these movies that we were going to watch and we were going to go see all these places um, along the tour. And we didn't watch a single movie and we didn't go to a <laughs> single place. Like it was crazy. Uh, it was a lot of drinking a hotel bar, old fashioned, sitting in the room, drawing at you know, 11 o'clock at night or something and then waking up and doing it all over again. Um, but I did, oh, here goes that train. Yeah. Um, I did end up drawing in all of issue eight. I think it was issue eight I drew on the tour. And at one point I flew home from the tour and to scan in all the pages I've been drawing on the road. And then I flew back to the tour the next day. Wait, so, what? Yeah. Cause I had Why to scan. Why didn't you go to Kinko's, bro? <laughs> Honey, I'm home now. I'm leaving again. Well, because I had to, I wanted to see my wife, and uh, oh, okay. So see, it was right. more to it than it, that. Then. Well, yes, but I also have to do a lot digitally to clean things up on my pages. Um, oh, okay. And so, yeah. So I don't know. Like, it was a good 24 hours away from the van and Charles, <laughs> and <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah. I mean, and then you know, like I had to get those to the color so he could be coloring it, and I mean. Yeah, it was wild. It was great. It was uh, it was a really interesting experience. Dedicated to your craft, that's for sure. Yeah, Seriously. man. Yes, sir. <laughs> so, what else are we going to talk about? Well, we did have some homework. Did did we? There, there, there was something that came out today. That Happy I birthday, do by the way. believe we all read. All yes. of us. Yep. Yes, we did. I Including read. our guest. Including yeah, I read our it. guest. And that would be 
Um, on today, his 80th birthday, Action Comics number 1,000. Big deal. Super big By deal. a slew of creators, um, many of which told pretty cool stories, but the uh, the lineup is basically uh, Dan Jurgens, Norm Ratman, uh, Pete Tomasi, Patrick Gleason, Marv Wolfman, uh, Kurt Swan, Inked by Jackson Geis, and Kurt Schaffenberger, uh, Paul Levitz, Neil Adams, Jeff Johns, um, and Richard Donner, uh, with um, Quapel, uh, Scott Snyder, Raphael Albuquerque, you had uh, Tom King and Clay Mann, Louis Simonson, Jerry Ordway, Paul Dini with Jose Luis Garcia Lopez, inked by Kevin Nolan, Brad Meltzer with John Cassidy, and finally, the last chapter in the book, which leads us into the upcoming Man of Steel weekly miniseries, Brian Michael Bendis, and pencils by Jim Lee, inks by Scott Williams. The colorists were it included Dave McKay, Alex Sinclair, Hi-Fi, Jordi Belair. Uh, it's, there's, there's, I, I'm not going to start on, uh, on a down or anything like that, but it was, it, I really, really enjoyed this issue. It, right. It's, um, me too. It, Me too. It, it just it 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 tickled everything. There were there were um I w- the only my 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 only nick really is that um and because I have Justice League of America number two hundred on my mind constantly, I would have liked to see the stories and, and granted did this wouldn't work with some of the stories. I would have liked to have seen them kind of build from one to the other kind of connect maybe have mm-hmm. the intro story be the framing sequence or or uh have each person come up to the podium Church. and and tell that story that another creative team would uh, would present but it 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 wouldn't have worked when you got to the beautiful Quapel illustrated story by johns and donner because that was a 1930s era story and 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 the whole i loved a little the, the three panels with the, he looks up and one's a bird and then there's a plane and um and it wouldn't have worked with tom's story either um being set in the future but there were um it just the 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 chapters the the few pages that that sang really really sang they 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 hit me every which way it, it was just a real feel good book there, there were a couple of stories that i just kind of you know like a dog hearing something where you kind of tilt your head and i wasn't quite sure what was going on where you were going with it i don't know why the hell while she's talking down a hostage situation maggie's still gonna wear her purse and and you have um and and there's the uh the, i don't know what the hell neil was doing but there were just some some really there there were some stories there were some scenes that 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 they were obviously paying respect to the character to his history um all realizing that he's the reason why so many of the people working on this book came to the dance so uh, i appreciate that but uh, there were some stories that just really really hammered just how great this character is and and how great he can be um and and the influence 
and um, the influence with the characters that were in the stories, but the that the creators wanted to tell in their stories. It was just it, it's definitely an issue that is totally worth your time and money. Uh, I cannot wait to. Um, I had to buy it digitally just because I had to read it today. Uh, but I, I can't wait to get my hands on the actual physical copy at the end of the month. Yeah. Well, you know what? Let's cut to the chase. Um, there are a lot of fine creators working on this book, but all, all eyes are on Bendis. Because. See, every, no, I don't. Uh, okay. Go ahead. No, I don't mean uh, in terms of the visual presentation. Everybody wants to know where he's going to go. 100%. Sure. That's why they sure. ended it with sure. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For, for Man of Steel. And. I thought the Bendis chapter was great. Oof. Oh wow! No, I mean, I, I wanted Jason. I'm, I'm, I'm. It wasn't the best one for me, but I no I, uh, same I, here. I was, I was it, fine with it. I thought, I, I yes, I thought it was a strong start. It that that was exactly the chapter to end the book on because yeah. it is, it's it's basically it's 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 an epilogue. It's like you know, here were a whole bunch of cool stories. Oh, by the way, it's not like this is it. For Superman, this is what's coming next, and and I I thought that was that was a nice touch. Right, uh, Jim Lee was in good form. I don't think uh, he succumbed to any of the things that uh, the Jim Lee isms that we expect to see on the page. I thought he it was a fairly honest, straightforward approach to to doing justice to Bendis's words. I, I thought it was Jim Lee looked good, right. He didn't um, look good. Normally, when an, uh, a writer engages in uh, excessive retconning, uh, like um, Jeff Johns is doing in Doomsday Clock, it bugs the shit out of me. But I'm going to give Bendis the, the benefit of the doubt in this instance because he has created a character called Rogel Czar, who assumedly um if we're led to believe what this person is saying um not only uh extinguishes kryptonian life wherever he encounters it but he had something to do with the destruction of the planet which everybody knows uh krypton just went kablooey but it seems like it wasn't a natural or uh kryptonian influence disaster it was orchestrated by a third party or parties in which this Rogel Czar is one. Now, uh, it's mm, it, it's not sitting completely well with me, but like I said, we haven't seen the whole story play out yet. So I'm I'm letting right. it, I'm letting it lie for now. Maybe he's well, just bullshitting. That's right. I'm 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 reading into this because we know virtually nothing about this character is that he is um trying to i'm I'm looking at it right now as i'm not taking what he's saying right at face value it's more like i'm taking credit for something that i had no hand in but i promised jor-el i would be the end and 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 i'm living up to that so i don't think it's anything that simple but yes i'm 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 with you where that no it was it was their own doing they they right kryptonians and and i don't think bendis is trying to come in Swinging and and saying, well, you know, I I I kind of you know what John Byrne did was cute, but this is what really happened. I don't I don't think he's doing that. He's definitely and Bendis likes to remind us that that things do happen between panels. So uh, I at least he did at Marvel. So I'm, I'm 
like you, um, uh, it's the benefit of the doubt. We'll, we'll see where it's going, but I'm yeah. not, I'm not just, I didn't finish this book thinking, oh, well then everything I know is a lie. I, I just will. Right. We'll he see. made you, he may just be shit talking. Right. Right. But the, the, the most curious thing and, and the thing that fills me with, with, um, the desire to read more of what Bendis is bringing to the table is, and it's just an offhanded made up word at the end of a, a dialogue balloon. He calls Supergirl cousin sister, cousin sister, yes. which means, oh, which means Ma may have had an affair. I see. No, I didn't see that. No, I, I that's read just that him as having trouble just, translating into our language. Right, I don't know. Like, I believe. No, I, you know, you, this that is, would this be is so a, cool, though. Come no, on, no, that it's, it's more like it's a sibling thing. It's mm-hmm. not like this. This person is very close to you. It's, it's right. It's like you're really close, close. Yeah, exactly. It's not. It had nothing to do with you know. Are are you? On, is they're not rednecks. They're just. It's 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 definite. <laughs> that's not uh, nice, dude. They're not. This isn't, Trump, this isn't Trump or country. <laughs> <laughs> But, but when I first saw Boy, I thought it was like, wow, what, what the fuck happened to Etrigan? And I was see, just like... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Yeah, I was like, I was I like oh, I like this character better when he was called Terax, but... <laughs> yeah. Shit. I can't believe you guys haven't brought... There, there was something that happened in this little short story that totally pulled me out of it, and that's when I slacked you. I think I'm out already. What was that? The, the trunks, the, the the multiple dudes got multiple jokes about the trunks. Yeah, like give me the one reference to the wink, wink. Oh, I get it. Yeah, you're putting the trunks back. Cool. Dude had multiple panels making the same joke about the trunks, <laughs> and I'm like, is that what? There's gonna be jokes. Give me jokes. Uh, I'm out. How could I you be? I think, I, <laughs> if that pushes you out, you didn't want to be in in the first place. Probably. Okay, right, That's what Ryan. I did. Did I not Ryan. just say that? I said this is a reinforcement that I'm not a Superman guy. All right. Ryan, were you are you a a trunks or no trunks on Superman guy? You gotta have trunks. Thank yeah. you. Absolutely. It breaks up the blue. Visually, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah visually, it, it it anchors you at the junk, which is what <laughs> we want. <laughs> yes, yes. It all goes back to the junk. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but Ryan, you've been quiet. What did you think? Uh, I thought the book was really, really strangely sad, and Aww. like I, I found that the stories. I, I don't know if I was projecting, but so many of them seemed really um, sad about like the times that have passed, um, and. You know, the story about Superman trying to be honored and not being able to focus on being honored because he's trying to save us constantly. And, that you know, the Martian Manhunter is blocking him uh, being aware of what's going on around the world. I thought that that was super depressing. I agree. You know, I, like, I, I thought it started off the book. I'm like, oh, boy, I'm, yeah. like, I'm, I'm like, this is rough because like this, like I know they're trying to make it like, oh, we love you so much. But like, dude, like that's fucking fucked up. They're fucking with his mind. And, like, like to, so he like he needs to have his mind fucked with by a telepath so that yeah. he can spend like, 10 minutes with his kid. Fucking relax. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with I, you. I was like, I oh, my know. God, this guy yeah. is so fucking. He's like the and, ultimate workaholic. He's like he's like the kind of person you would never, ever want as your dad. He'd be the worst dad ever. 
Yeah, yeah, and I don't know, just opening the book with that, I was that set the tone for me, and then I just kept thinking everything was kind of a bummer. Like, <laughs> I don't know, even when I think it was really trying to be, like, uh, honoring these memories and how, how great they were, they still, to me, were just in the past, and we were already set with this framework of this guy has lived his whole life in service and can't enjoy anything. Um, so I don't know. It kind of bummed me out, but <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I'm just not reading it right. Um, I also think it's really strange when you have just from a technical standpoint, when you have people that don't draw for rendered color that have to be, covered in like hyper rendering and i think that that visually is is confusing to me um so yeah i don't know some of the stories i thought were really beautiful other stories i thought the color kind of buried buried what was nice about the art to begin with i i loved uh kevin nolan and jose garcia lopez luis garcia lopez i i i thought that was a nice bright fun story i thought the the character work was great. Um, I, I like Tom's story a lot. Um, mm-hmm. You know, small. It was a small, short story, but I like. I liked what he did there. Sure. Um, I thought Clayman looked great, and that's a different style for Clay. At yeah, least I really like that art on that story. Yeah. It was wild. Um, I, I dug the Albuquerque story um, at this planetarium uh, with, with Schneider. I thought that was clever. That basically Clark's been not only a hero since he was a kid, but he basically has had, he's actually been smarter than, than, than Lex from jump Two. I mean, he, he realized just passing by that, uh, that the helium was going to be an issue and, you know, Lex didn't, and they would have killed Lex if, if Clark didn't save the day. So I, I thought that was clever. Um, I thought there were definitely clever moments in it, but to, to me, this book was about the end caps, which was about the first story and then the last story. And to me, those two were hugely, hugely, uninteresting to me oh my so, god oh so for god. me everything in the middle the little stuff was cool but it was like drowned out by the depressing nature of the first story and the end being bendis with jokes so dap you gotta back me up don't don't you think that the mvp of this issue is dan jurgens um i thought Yeah, no, I as I'm going through the other creators on it and what they did. Yeah, I I, I would because it's um it just it reminded me of what Jurgens was doing back in the Triangle era. Exactly. It it, it was it, it was this was this was a book that if 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 you're not a Superman fan or if if you've only been reading since New Fifty Two or even Rebirth, or you wanted to just Bendis is coming, so let me go check out what's going on. Um, I thought there was enough here that that there was enough meat in the sandwich that, that that you'd get something out of it. But I I think that it also, uh, if you were a longtime fan, regardless of whatever way, even if it was the old Julie Schwartz and and Kurt Swan and pre-burn era that there were things in here. Um, it might look a little brighter. It might look a little more polished or finished, but you'd still get a sense of what, um, 
of what the character uh, mentor was about. But between Lois and 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 I don't I don't not see what Jason and Ryan see in the first story as far as you know what Superman's go what Clark is going through. Um, but knowing Lois and knowing that you know this that that even yes th- that this is what it takes to give Clark a day off uh, and for him to realize that, you know, you can't always be moving. You, you, you need to just slow down and, and, and take stock and, and listen to what you mean and, and how you inspire others. And um, this is what it took for him to turn it off for a second. And, and I didn't, I, this was all it's, as, as Wonder Woman explains, to Cal, the, Lois was was pretty much the mastermind behind this. She she kept telling Batman, "No, Clark is not coming to help you." She she kept say she was letting Clark kind of be untethered, and and uh, I I didn't read anything more into that. I didn't see anything wrong with um, wrong with that, and and but maybe that's because of my connection to the character or, and, and his supporting cast. And I wasn't um, looking really beyond that. I think we can all agree though that Neil Adams shit the bed. <laughs> we get it, dude. Yes. You like showing him break the Kryptonian chains I, yeah. I, or the Kryptonite chains. It's, it's just, I, we saw and, it on the action comics cover that was reprinted by Whitman and, 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 but uh, that Lex just looks. And, and when did, when did Kal-El become Sicilian? <laughs> Seriously. You know what I mean, it's just, I, I don't understand <laughs> that. I just, I'm, I, I mean, I was, love Neil Adams, but this is, yes, this is do. a poor, no, poor this effort. Was, this, it really was. And it was, and it was, and and we know we all know Levitz can do a better story than this. Yeah. I just I'm like I mean the whole the, the whole chess thing was neat, but the the dialogue just killed it. I I can't. This didn't sound like any Lex that uh, that 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 I've been a fan of or cared about. I can't believe nobody has said anything yet about uh, Gleason's one pagers, especially especially the Frank Miller page, Vince. The color uh, was awesome on those. Yeah, the color is great. I love. I I didn't know that colorist work, but they did two of the stories, I think, and those really stood out color wise to me. Super, super smart, especially Superman stopping that train and how he's in shadow. Yes. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Kid, and the kid has the light hitting him. Like that's a very smart thing to do. That doesn't seem like the initial instinct. You want Superman to be the focus, but it was the kid, and yeah. I thought that was pretty phenomenal. I think I, I like the action in them. Some of the renderings may have been not as as, especially if you've been reading Superman since he and Tomasi have been have been writing it. Um, but I think as far as getting the the point across with the story with, with Vince's favorite Vandal Savage throwing him through time, that he would. Um, Maybe that's so I can why. understand why that. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. But the, the illustrations um, are really nice, though. Yes, especially yeah. the one with the little kid with the ball. That's that's just fantastic. Um, he even managed that, to to get little Cubert in the Sergeant Rock, which is that's yeah. right. Yeah, there yeah. were. I thought that he yeah, he really kind of just 
which is and and because of the different eras i i that's one of the this is one of the stories where i was like you know if no matter when you started reading superman um there's probably something in this story that is going to spark a memory um but i no i thought i i i really liked i mean i didn't i didn't rank the stories i really liked the jurgen story um and it 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 looked and read like a Jurgen Superman story. Um, the the um, the hostage story, the 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 SCU story was that was basically just there to to remind us that well, Kurt used to trust Superman, but it was it, that was a supporting cast story. There wasn't yeah. um, and they were the, the, the supporting cast stories work really well, I think. That's and, and, it's and it, just like uh, Peter Parker and, and Spider Man. The supporting cast is as robust and and you know memorable as as the main well arguably as the main character. And Superman has been the same thing. Like the the people of the Bugle and Lois and the the Smallville people have been as entertaining and engaging than as Cal. And I, right. I like that uh, that Wolfman repurposed or adapted or basically wrote that story and then Luis wrote the one with Bibbo and and uh, basically like a day in the life of or, or or a minute in the life of of Superman before Clark has to get a story together uh John Cassidy still can't draw yeah that's so yeah, that was that was pretty rough it was rough that just it was so rough dude I was like, dude, especially it came right after the 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 Garcia Lopez Nolan. Yeah, that I'm was like, just, oh, that was the case. That was just not planned well at all. And I just, I, I cannot really stand the 3D model or photograph of a city being blurred, drawing a background. Yeah. Like, and just yeah, motion blur on it. Like, oh man, that's rough. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't get down with with those. 3D models for the background, like I just, I just don't. It's lazy. Really don't understand. Yeah, it's lazy. Yeah. It is. Well, it's it's lazy and it's easy. It is uninspired. Yeah. Uninspired. Yeah. I mean, I don't Soulless. know. Like, but you can, like, you can just, yeah. You don't have to draw all the details in the city. You could just draw a bunch of rectangles. You know, Did the that burned look it. like that look like you know a crossword puzzle. You know, on the yeah. side and. Like you said, Dapper, that I mean, works. we talked about this with Burn. We talked about this with Burn over, you know, when we've done deep dives on Burn before. If you go back and look at a lot of his books, I mean, the background is sparse. Yeah. I mean, but but you don't even notice because he's telling a story with the figure work. So right. it, it serves the purpose. Yeah. yeah, you don't you don't have to draw like an architect to do comics, mm. you know, but you, you hear that, Sean Murphy? Hear that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you have you have to you have to let us know where we are. Um and you have to make your reader not be disoriented and know they have to always know where the characters are in relationship to each other and where they are, you know, in the environment they're in. And as long as you can do that uh, with as little uh, background as you have time to draw, then, then if it still works, it works. But um, having, having 3d models for your buildings, I think completely takes you out of, um, any believability uh, or any getting lost in that story. Like it's just, Especially it's when jarring. the, the yeah, figure cosine. is so bland on yeah. in the foreground. It's like, like there wasn't anything. It's just, it, it oh no. It's it, just it, a no cape, bueno. right? Yeah. And, and I the, love, 
Oh, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say the hostage situation page is basically two panels. Yeah. You know, he just reemphasized the the top panel a a little bit tighter, uh, Mm -hmm. cropping on the second one. I mean, it it may be a different drawing, but it's really not because he already. It's not a different drawing. He already solved the problem in the top panel. More yeah. or less, right? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be wouldn't it be so much more fun to that to be a slightly different angle on the sure. exact same shot? Exactly. Like that would have been as a reader, that's a lot more fun. But also, it takes more time, and you know, and this, my constant theme of judging mm-hmm. comics at this point. <laughs> but, but, but it would be so much more fun if we were moving throughout the scene, you know, like like I don't know, like Inception or something, right. rather yeah. than just yeah, zooming yeah, yeah. in on one image. Break time down and into slices, but the 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 uh, money shot of of Superman barreling through the wall that's mm-hmm. an awkward pose it's just weird yeah yeah now, now one thing uh one little thing that just again exemplifies for me why tom is is one of the best uh dc's got right now is is you know in his story he's sitting there and it's clear that it's way into the future because we're talking he's you know superman's doing his little dialogue and you know, many right, many readers might just have gone with that, but then like you start wondering, like, well, how the hell is Lois? How is Clark, and how is Lois still alive? I mean, it's it's millions of years in the future, and Tom, in the middle of it, just mentions, you know, uh, the Eternity Formula, and that it tastes like grape, and she's sick of it. <laughs> just to throw in there, because he gets that you're might you're going to be sitting there thinking, like, well, how the fuck is are they still alive all these millions of years later? <laughs> so he answers that question without getting bogged down with having to show you a flashback or like them working in the lab or like, like, it's just like, okay. So, you know, so you don't have to like, it goes out of your mind. You're like, Oh, okay, cool. And, and you just moves on. Like it's a little subtle thing that he did that makes perfect sense and leaves you from wondering like, well, how the fuck are they still alive? So I just love that. And I got to say, I think Raphael Albuquerque may draw the, my favorite looking Lex Luthor of all time. Hmm. It's a pretty lean, lean. You like your Luthor lean. I do. Well, I, apparently I do. Yeah. Lean Luthor. Yeah. Lean Luthor. Yeah. I do. Okay. Clearly you guys don't. I was fine with it. I just, it took me a second to realize who it was. Really? <laughs> Especially <laughs> after the Neil Adams version. After the Neil Adams one where he's, uh, he's monkey know, man. John, John, ball John Goodman. The, uh, <laughs> and, you know, props to, um, to Jim Lee, I mean, there there were there were some speed lines, and there may have been an open sky or two, but for the most part, every panel between Rubble and the city, yeah. and and the 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 other character, the other characters in the background, he, um, you know, Bendis could have went easy and made it in space, or you know, at the fortress and everything shiny and ice, but this was this he he came in with a bang, and and. Um, yeah. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't like Alias with 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 an anal sex and and fuck right at the start of the book, but uh, it, it's it's Superman getting smashed go through the building and and uh, and in your face. Yep, it's, it's groundbreaking. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> never been beaten up by a bigger creature before. So judgmental. Well, my goodness, Lord. Everyone did feel really heavy in it. Which is not, I mean, that's not super easy to do, I think, when you're drawing to give things weight. So Superman felt really heavy, and this new Doomsday guy felt really heavy. So, you know, 
That was nice. I like Tomar, that. Tomar Reed and Doomsday had a love child. Big dudes. I think it'd be more fun if the dude was like half a foot tall. I agree. And, or like just and like, skinny, skinny and really, butt, just like super skinny. Yeah, he's got like mad yeah, powers. Yeah, that'd be more fun. I think I I've seen Superman be crushed under feet before a lot. So, oh, here comes that train. And I yeah, want to know. Um, I want to know why in the DC universe, um, machine guns make a sound that sounds like they're spitting. Well, I thought it was saying "psycho" yeah. over and over again. Yes, that was, so, very... that was that, that's true. No, it's, it's true. true. It sounds like it's the laser guns from GI Joe instead of bullets, but that's cool. <laughs> Obviously, it's not. Tune in next week for the Ryan Brownie and uh, Jason Wood podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm with you guys. Didn't Jim Lee look good? He did. Uh, and, and I'm only—I mean, I'm going to read the Bendis stuff. I, I just—I—I I didn't. It, for some reason, the, the, the trunks thing, it, like the third time he joked about it, I'm like, dude, you got six pages. You got to make three jokes about the trunks. She wasn't like, sure. Friend heard her the first two times. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, Bendis but, has yeah. Bendis like um, a lot of comic book writers before him has always exploited pop culture in his work. And that is true. In in coming to this, there was a lot of consternation by by the longtime Superman fans to put the damn trunks back on him. So I just think that's Bendis playing to his audience. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. It's, I didn't, I didn't think it was offensive. You, you know, I, I have thought a lot about why, why it is that I don't vibe with Superman and I can't really give you a good reason. I I, I love Batman. Like, it's not like a Marvel DC thing. I, I don't No, It's not. I don't. I don't know why. I mean, and I can't just. It can't be simple as oh, because he's so powerful. Because there are plenty of other characters in in that I, I that are you know omnipotent or what have you. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I just. I just don't feel a connection to him as a character in the way that you, you two do, or that so many people do. When when you think of when you think of the other characters that are omnipotent, like. Um, from DC or Marvel, they all have um, they they have their reasons. Like every not to say Doom is one of them, but it, it's it, Doom's whole attitude and and especially when Byrne was 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 writing him, it's like he never he doesn't see himself as the bad guy. And and mm-hmm. there are certain certain characters, no matter how he, whether it's Thanos and, and as powerful as he is, and he's he has a purpose, and and he's he's focused as a single vision, and and that's what he's working towards. Whereas Superman just wants to, he he's an outsider. He wants to help people. He wants to fit in, and and it's but it's one of those things where it's he's not he he's he's trying to rule all things to everyone, and 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 there may be a bit of a disconnect there for some people when they you know there's there. You know, there were a lot of people who may feel like you know they can connect with Peter Parker, and and you know, and they so so, so they really connect, attach themselves to, to Spider Man, and they kind of they see similarities there. But with Superman, it is it he is one of those characters where it's like, listen, you know, I mean, he's an alien, and he, he he's got all these powers, and it's but he doesn't, you can't really kind of boil him down to one thing like you can with so many other characters who basically just want to either destroy or 
uh, that's that's kind of really the only thing the all powerful characters like to do is just mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to come in and 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 destroy this or take it over and right and I'm mm-hmm. an overlord and Superman's not trying to do that. But, There's but a lot I, I think... like about him, like the marriage especially. I, I really do. I, I I do genuinely. If you're like that resonates with me. I love that because I I don't like that so many, if not most of 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 these heroes don't get to have persistent love interest because people say oh well they'll, th- those love interests would be in danger all the time like fuck that like these are fantastical stories where we accept that these people have godlike powers i think we can also assume that they're able to protect their loved ones more often than not you know so i think I, I do superman love needs to be married i agree where, where yes, I, th- I, I think that the, part of the, of the story yeah. right be, be for just this, the reason that we saw in the first story superman needs an other grounding a love he needs yeah. right he needs to be grounded he needs a, mm-hmm. a, a love he needs to experience like a tether to his humanity yes where peter mm-hmm. parker doesn't need that because he's more human right than he is godlike where superman is mostly god sure mm-hmm. right but damp I, I don't mean to dissect what what you said but i think you left out a crucial element in the superman mythology was yeah he's all those things but and he wants to help people but it's all because he had the good fortune to be raised yes. by God, oh, yeah. God-fearing, salt-of-the-earth, blue-collar, American, you know, World War II mindset human beings. Yes. Now, what, what, you know, if he was, if he dropped down in a, in say, a communist or a, 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 a dictatorship, you know what I mean? He would not yes. have the same outlook. As he would, where these two Kansas natives, you know, right. raised him. But I mean, that's, I think, that is the the absolute crucial element in. The- and it, I, I, I don't disagree. It's it's something that is, I think, whether they, whether they die when he's young, or they grow up to see him become an adult and 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 a productive member of society. Um, Ma and Pa Ken are are like you just said crucial. They are they, they are a very important part of what makes Clark, what makes Cal Superman, and 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 uh, you can't overlook that. That's not something that needs that, that that can be just. You can't have Superman without them. I think and 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 which we're not going down the road with the movies, but there's just one of those things where it it it's it that is part of what makes him him and and without that um i mean a lot of the stories especially tom's story i mean the, these stories wouldn't have had the impact wouldn't have um and i wouldn't have stuck with the character throughout the 80s and because before before burn came on superman action comics maybe dc comics presents more so but these but superman in action they weren't i had to read them every month because they were all standalone one shot one-off mm-hmm. stories and some of them even had two stories in a comic and i didn't i didn't need there were no ongoing stories they were just they're okay they were superman stories it wasn't until the mid 80s when and i was like okay now i'm invested i, I i'm interested in these characters i want to see where things are going and they're yep. telling longer stories um the Triangle era and, is by far the best era of Superman. I, I agree with you, 100%. Um, but these stories wouldn't have had the impact on me and, and wouldn't have made me feel the way I feel if he didn't have, it, it, in this particular book in this instance, if he didn't have Mon Pa Kent 
showing him the way. And um, again, I don't know what the hell I, I know we touched on. It was we we noticed it in Doomsday Clock number one and helpful folks on the Facebook group told us that, you know, this version is kind of a mesh between uh, uh, the previous versions of Superman. So, yeah, the parents aren't around and they died when he was. So it's just it's but. For me, the important thing is the fact of the matter is that um, they were there for him while he was growing up, and that's very important to the character and what makes him him and what helps maybe attract yeah. to him. I know why Jason doesn't vibe with Superman. Why? It's because of Superman's pulpy roots. <laughs> That, that, of all the reasons why, that, that's exactly I don't why. Think that. it's 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 the Doc Savage connection that Jason just can't he can't has it he can't he can't parse it. It doesn't. I'm going to tell you why you're wrong. I love Tom Strong like 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 one of my children. Tom Strong. <laughs> we'll is, tell you which children. Which well, child, no, that but. that's that's very good to hear because Tom Strong is is very Doc Savage. I know. Yeah. All right, That's what I'm I'll saying. pull back. I'll pull back and give you that yeah, one. Slow your roll, son. And I, I, I wasn't rolling at all. I was <laughs> skating a little bit. So, so just to put a, a fine point on it, it sounds like you two give this a, a solid A. Oh yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. If yes. I, I would have, I would have given it an A plus had the Neil Adams story not been in there. I think. Hey. It, Cassidy. I, I think it brings the book. John think, Acidy. Oh, did I say that? Sorry. Yeah. It, if, it, if other artists drew those two stories, yes. A plus all the way. Right, right. I think I, I have a little twinge of regret that they didn't throw some money at Byrne. Even a two pager by Byrne would have been great. Lord's know he could use the money. Well, Ed, but see, it's one of those things where um, he's he's all about. That IDW these days and 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 the Bro, he's stuff. Bro, seventy five dollar so. headshot commissions. I think he could use the I, paycheck. I'm yeah. sure he could use the paycheck, but there may be also a a, a prior issue. I don't know. I and maybe he's maybe his page rates are too high for them. I don't know. But maybe, I maybe he's. I would have loved to have seen something by him in the book. But <laughs> yes, I, I. He's spending too many time, too much time, freeze framing, old Star Trek episodes to get <laughs> screen caps for his photo novels or whatever he's doing. Like, so come on, John. Oh Seriously? <laughs> so bad. I can't. I, I literally can't even. It's bad. That oh stuff is bad. God. But anyway. <laughs> Sorry for uh Ryan for eclipsing a lot of your time with this. Um No, I like it. I I've, I've been listening. It's interesting. But, it's color. but so what did you think of it overall? Would you give it about a a C plus? Maybe. Okay. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. Well, all right. Now now that we're in the realm of, of big two comics, I'm gonna I'm gonna make good on that statement uh from the beginning of the episode where I said I know the perfect book from a big two uh company that I think you would do fabulously on. Love it. Speak on it. Any guesses? A big two book that you think he would be great on. That would be great on that that he uh, what, what did you say, David? Did you say Marvel at the beginning? I did. I did. I did. Writing I did. and drawing? Yes, writing and drawing. A big two book. Um, I'll give you another clue. It's a Bronze Age book that I think he would do justice to not only the character, but the 
uh, indistinguishable voice behind the character. Howard. Yep. Yeah. I think Ryan... That, I hope Ryan. I hope Ryan. I hope Ryan appreciates what an immense compliment that is coming from you. It is. It, I think you would absolutely amazing. slay Howard the Duck. Yeah. Well, let's be yeah. honest, Ryan. You are infinitely funnier than Chip Zdarsky. <laughs> Holy crap! You would I, not. Yeah, there's no dispute in that. I see a lot of Steve Gerber in, in in Mr. Brownie. Well, thank you, boy. This is nice. I should come on here all the time. Maybe. Hey. Door's always open, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, yeah, I mean, that would be so awesome. There, There's, you know, a couple things that I would love to work on at Big 2, but um, there really isn't that big of, uh, you know, spread in terms of humor stuff to do, you know? like, right. And people always ask me why I don't do Deadpool stuff. Um you know, like it's my choice or something, <laughs> uh, but uh, but that has a you know sense of humor that I'm I'm not sure that totally vibes with what I like to do. But right, definitely Howard is um, would be super super fun. Yeah. Either I, that, or I think you'd be great on Exiles. Yeah, I've never read Exiles. Well, because you're well, so good at creating characters and 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 uh, you know funny offshoots or analogs of pop culture references and like. You know, Exiles is basically like an Elseworlds thing. It's a bunch of different Marvel characters from different Earths. Like, so huh. they're slightly different. And they all get brought together and then they try. It's like uh, sliders in the Marvel Universe. Sure. They have to they have to travel to different uh, realities and then they have an X, X amount of time to, to fix whatever needs fixing before the they warp out to the next reality. And uh, I think you'd have a lot of fun with that. Well, that, yeah, X- that sounds all right. That X-Men thing you did, I, I, I forget the book. Uh, but it was it was um, I think Cyclops was the the, the <laughs> yeah. fourth. No, that was great. Was what book was that in? Uh, it was for Secret Wars two. Secret Wars two, yeah, but with oh, a okay. apostrophe. Right, 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 right. Yeah, that's one of the ones I bought. I actually bought that because you did. Daredevil, the bear without fear. Yeah, I I pitched the Marvel All Bear Universe to the editor of that, and. Uh, he didn't seem interested at all. So, uh, <laughs> but I had this whole idea for um, just the Marvel All Bear Universe where everyone wishes to bear uh, in the world. Um, but it was, you know, all the same Marvel characters, just everyone was a bear. Uh, but the thing was, is that Doctor Doom had um, figured out how to build Doom bear bots, right? <laughs> and that. Uh, <laughs> Every year uh, during the winter, the superheroes, everyone has to hibernate, but Doom has his bots that will basically take over the world while everyone is hibernating. (laughs) So every spring is just these super bears waking up like, not again, and they just have to slowly beat the shit out of Doom and take back over the world. And then, like, there's this... You know, winter is coming kind of doomsday clock of them having to hibernate again, where they know that no matter what they did, that these doom bots were just going to take over, take over the world again. That was the idea. That's awesome. That's a great premise. (laughs) I love that. Thanks. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll do it as a fan fiction. Oh, yeah. I I think you're you're destined for far greater than uh, fan fiction. (laughs) <laughs> it's between that and I, and one day I'll do a fan fiction of NFL Super Pro 
I'm disappointed you're not you're not coming to Heroes because I have a new jam piece and one of the spots on the jam piece is NFL Super Pro. No way. Yeah. What's the what's the theme of the jam piece? Uh Avengers roll call, but it's it's fifteen characters that have never been Avengers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it was the world's Including greatest the superheroes. It could so, be the same thing. Yeah. Who who else is on there? Um, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I think I think Dap knows better than than Jason, who's on that page. <laughs> that's true. Dap Dap kept blowing me up. He kept telling me that uh, characters I wanted to put on there were actually were Avengers. Um, <laughs> and he even had me convinced that one wasn't that wasn't an Avenger was, and it got me off feeling salty. And then I'm like, wait, he wasn't an Avenger. You're fucking with me. Um, let's see. We've got. Uh, hold on. Hold on. Do, do, do. Spreadsheet. Okay. Bringing up themselves. Spreadsheet. 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 Oh, Sheets, baby. Not just for gas. <laughs> Dude, spreadsheets are the best thing ever. Stop. Ever. Stop. I don't care what Vince says. They're living uh, hell. My life spreadsheets be, on my Wacom. My life would be inexorably more difficult without spreadsheets. Well, they serve a function for you. For people like me, they're, they're living hell. All right, you ready? Uh, I got you. I got you, Ryan. Uh, right. Adam Warlock. Yes. Okay. Anti Venom. Hmm. Beta Ray Bill. Nice. Danny Danny Moonstar. Mm. Oh, stop! You you hate women. Why do you hate women? Uh, Domino. Of course. Oh, nah, nah, son. Dude, dupe. Dupe. Nice. Yep. Electra. NFL Super Pro. Yeah. Orca. <laughs> Shanna the She-Devil. <laughs> Sister Grimm. Oh. Spider-Gwen. Eek. The Shroud. Nice. Torpedo. Oh. And this one's for Dap White Tiger. <laughs> now, is this the garbage bag testicle-wielding White Tiger? <laughs> it's Casper Cole. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, from the crew. <laughs> so, so I actually had you sort of penciled in for Super Pro. That was nothing but nothing but excitement with that list. Dap, who well, you wrote been that? Perfect for Super Pro, but oh, of course. You gonna be in New York? Yeah, I'll be in New York. Oh, there sweet. you go. All right, lock it up. I need right, some away from Ryan. I don't own any other than this. Then I also cover. It's on me. You do you need away from lots of people? I do. I think that dick piece is better than anything you would ever get from me. Otherwise, I just love it. I do. I'm looking at it right now, lovingly. I just, I, it's amazing. And you Vince did it in loves like dick. Stop. You did it in like I, I, I love the the profanity more than the actual thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> that the fact that I got a, a grown ass man to draw a ninety degree angle on a dick for me. I honestly can't say what Ryan's favorite drawing he ever did. I can't say it on the show, but I'll say it after we stop recording. Oh, okay. You know what my favorite drawing I've ever done? No, my favorite drawing that I've ever seen you draw. Oh, okay. Wow. Oh. What could it be? Hmm. <laughs> I'll tell you after we stop recording. Okay. All right. I guess that <laughs> means J- Jason wants to wrap it up. So um, No, no, no. I'm just saying I, it's not something I, I think we're going to want on, in posterity for the show's recording. Uh. But we should do the we should do the the wrap up because we do have an in your travels to get through. Yes. So so let's do this. 
thank you very much to our sponsor, Discount Comic Book Service. They're always there when we need them. They will be there for you when you need them as well. DCBService.com will get you everything you want for a mere fraction of the retail price. Such as, remember this, write them down because they're special. From Marvel, it's the Avengers No Surrender hardcover. A whole bunch of pages, yes. 675 to $690, $50 cover price, yours for $25. From Dark Horse, it's the Gantz Omnibus Volume 1, 650 plus pages for $12.49. Hiroya Oku, I love him so much. And from Top Shelf, supposedly, I don't know what you want to believe, it's the last hurrah for the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. This is called The Tempest, Alan Moore, Kevin O'Neill, $2.49, dcbservice.com. Go there or be square. In your travels, I'm going to just gloss over this because I want to talk about it in depth next week. If you're looking for crazy, off-kilter, out there, insane, I implore you to read from Nozumo Tamaki. It's called Soul Liquid Chambers, Volume 1. Wow. This manga is bonkers. Uh, the premise is humanity done fucked up. And it's a uh, post-apocalyptic zombie type scenario where the living dead roam the streets. But someone has managed to extract the soul from living bodies and turn it into liquid and keep it in cylinders. The uh, protagonist of this thing is named Emil and he is a guide through the apocalypse and he gets a, a client who is a young girl. She's 12 years old and she carries around a teddy bear with a gas mask. This teddy bear is the most Foul-speaking teddy bear you'll ever encounter. F-word, every other word. Um, turns out that the girl and her twin sister were ripped apart by zombies. And the father could only save part of each body. So he extracted the soul from one of them and put it in the bear. And the girl's a multiple amputee. Her arms and legs detach, and she can put weaponry on her on her body. She's 12 years old, and she kills zombies wearing the gas mask um, with high-caliber weaponry on her arms and legs. So, it's it's just insane. Um, the 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 author Nozumu Tamaki is the guy who created. Uh, Dance in the Vampire Bund. He has a thing for little girls. Mm. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. This manga is friggin' insane. His his uh, his line work, <clears throat> there are some pages in this thing that you would swear were drawn by Dave Sim. Mm. Very clean, very precise line. Um Lots of uh, zip-a-tone or, or the, you know, the, the gray tone, uh, peel-on, stick-off stuff. 
it's it's phenomenal visually it's astounding but it's it's very disturbing and i'll talk about it next week soul liquid chambers number one wow yeah i need a uh, either a shower or a nap after that description. <laughs> no, after you read the, read the first volume, you're gonna need a you're gonna need a a big abrasive loofah because <laughs> because that sounds wild. Yeah, the, the the girl is walking by, and the guide is like in his twenties, and he's looking at this twelve years twelve year old girl, and she's very fetching. And it's the same thing with Dance in the Vampire Bund. There is an a, an ageless vampire stuck in the body of a young girl. So the young girl has sex and stuff, but it's not a young girl. It's a, it's a mature grown ass woman, but it's a young girl, right? Um, this is along the same lines. The, the, the young girl is drawn in very compromising positions. And so you have email who's in his twenties and the girl walks by and he's like, ah, oh, dead ass, but she's 12, dude, she's 12 years old. I I don't get the Japanese mindset at all. I I'm trying to understand it, but it just fascinates me and it disgusts me at the same time. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, boy. next week, tune in. <laughs> yeah, I take another shower after that addendum. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, in your travels, um, this is. Published, reprinted, um, I'm going to say reprinted, uh, by Lion Forge under their Magnetic Collection imprint. Um, this was first published in France mm. under the original title. I read this. Romance. And I'm not going to try that. Uh, this is written by Louis Trondheim and Zepp. Art by Dominique Bertel. Uh, part one, Love and Mummies. Of Infinity Eight, Volume One, Number One. Gorgeous. Um, it yeah, it's it's very um, it's the art is very metal hurlant. It, it's uh, there's there's a Mobius feel. It definitely feels like something you'd have read uh, in an issue of Heavy Metal. Uh, but you are um, cut it short because we could we could double team on it next week. Okay, so then in your travels? No, no, no. I mean, it's to talk more about it, but don't give away well, the yeah. whole. No, 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 no. I'm not. It, it's um, I mean, the the setup is pretty um, is is pretty interesting. I I recently watched. Um, unfortunately, I should have stopped after the first fifteen minutes, but I recently watched Valerian, the uh, City of a Thousand Planets. Oh, and stop. It it looks amazing, dude. The first the intro with um. With, with Bowie's music and mm-hmm. and you're seeing as as the thing grows, that's amazing. I love that and and I think um, and then there's a little bit of a fifth element feel, obviously because of sure. Uh, uh, so there's um, but it's just the and and she is extremely attractive, but but the guy that, from Amazing Spider-Man two, the kid who plays. Valerian in the movie he's not it doesn't do much for me it just it kind of it tries to become other things as the movie continues and it's just and, and the whole thing with Ethan Hawke and Rihanna it's just like okay can we get back to like the main what what made this interesting in the beginning and they never really did so I wish I stopped watching the movie early on wow. in any case 
part and but I want to read the story. I want to read the source material. I just wasn't thrilled with how the movie progressed and ended. Um but parts of this parts of the story right? of this issue um reminded me of of that type of setup. This is something that definitely Luke could adapt and and do pretty well with. Um We got to have and, Jason read this for next week too. Okay. I got to find uh, you Jason. Word up. I got you covered. So so uh, so so yeah, so for next week's homework assignment, uh Infinity 8 Volume 1 number 1 Love and Mummies. This is um this is something that's going to go on for a little while. Um three issues. There's well this there's three issues but it's it's a um it's a each three issue story arc. Yep. In this eight part series. Mm-hmm. So uh it's going to go on for a little while there will be um I believe different creators coming on for for different uh for each each arc but um that must be french I've, math to do three issue arcs in an eight mm-hmm. issue series yeah um, we, we but i don't you know i'm not sure what the original format was because this this is laid out pretty well for the standard comic book page it's not like you know we're, we're getting um you know the 2000 ad where there's a big border at the bottom uh there is a lot of air on the top and bottom though so i'm thinking it was published in a different um, I don't know. I don't know about a lot. Enough. Yeah. There's enough. There's enough. There is enough. But it, it it reminds me of that old school kind of comic book panels where they weren't full bleed. Um, but cardstock covers, clay coated paper, shiny covers. It, it's yeah. it's a a big upscale to do package. Boobs. Yeah, boobs. It's a, there's boobs. It's yeah. it's there's boobs. It's it's a it's it's pretty cool. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, so we will really dig into it yeah um actually all right bet um so let's squash jason's too we'll see what he's got <laughs> yeah well i've got two. Oh, of course okay no because you see you're gonna feel bad for, for, for front now dude i love that i love it keep it up that's your um, intro Woo-hoo. no i was i was i had my inner travels all set and then i remembered that we we there's a shout out that that i wanted to give that we didn't so i'm gonna make it into a quasi Secondary in your travels. And that is um, Star Wars Adventures number nine by IDW. Um, oh, because I haven't received it yet, but okay. Yeah, even though um, even though the, uh, Marvel got the Star Wars back and has been doing big things with with that line for a couple of years now, um, there's some kind of weird relationship where they still allow IDW to do certain Disney and Star Wars stories more. It seems like I guess anything related to more to like the kids or the all ages they let them do. Yeah. And Star Wars Adventures, um, which I uh, full full disclosure I've not been reading on the regular basis. Um, this issue is worth uh, worth your time. It is a very EOC fam- family heavy um, issue, and one that uh, I know uh, one of the creators I'm about to mention is over the moon with. It's sort of a career grail for him, and uh, that is our, our good friend Tony Fleece, um, who oh. you know we talk about him a lot as a friend uh, and, and as someone who we we get great commissions from and we love hanging out with the cons. Admittedly, Tony has spent most of the last bunch of years um, on a monthly book doing My Little Pony, uh, and it's been a wild success for him. But admittedly, none of us read My Little Pony, so. You don't hear us mention his name a lot, um, but but uh, Tony got to do um, one of the covers for this issue, and it meant a lot to him. He's very yes. very excited about it. Um, but then it's it's a double dose of EOC awesomeness because not only did Tony get to do a cover, but uh, Nick Brokenshire also did a cover and wrote 
um, one of the two stories in the book. It's an eight-page story uh, featuring IG-88, um, and he wrote and drew that uh, that story. So the book is chock full of uh, 11 O'Clock Comics extended family. So check it out, uh, Star Wars Adventures number nine. Now, the In Your Travels I, um, I, I was planning on talking about from Jump, is uh, by Image Comics. It is one half of the Bad Karma Collective. Um, it is written by Mr. Seth Peck, drawn by another great friend of the show, Mr. Jeremy Hahn, and it is The Realm. Um, in this case, I'm talking about uh, the first volume, collects issues one through five. Uh, so it's uh, the tr- first the trade paperback, which I got in my uh, DCBS shipment a few weeks back. Uh, it, it's awesome. Uh, you guys know I'm a mark for anything uh, post-apocalyptic, uh, and so it's a great time for me as a comics fan because there are, let's be blunt, a shit ton of post-apocalyptic <laughs> stories out there. Um, and, and certainly I'm an easy mark for them, so I read and enjoy most of them. I realize your mileage may vary, but this is super cool. Um, I will say that the best way to describe this from an elevator pitch is – uh, it, it is is the the stand meets Dungeons and Dragons. It, it's basically what would happen if our Earth uh, see saw its end days, but it, it saw its end days because the myth the mythical creatures that we know from Dungeons and Dragons it, and it took over the Earth. So you know this 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 is a book set in a world where they're basically in Chicago, um, but but the Chicago goes overrun with orcs and dragons and trolls and all sorts of things. And uh, humanity has just adapted, uh, and the uh, prote- the main protagonist of the book uh, is a gentleman named Nolan, and he is uh, essentially a, a runner, um, like a rabbit. Uh, he's 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 been uh, we, at the start of the the, uh, the series, we we see him wrapping up a mission, but but he has been contracted by a uh, a woman um, who is shepherding a number of scientists to go from where they are, uh, which is presumed to be Chicago, to Kansas City. And no surprise that uh, the Bad Karma Boys chose Kansas City as the destination since they are, they are based there. But, um, yeah, so, so, they, so Nolan is, is basically got to take this crew of non-violent, non-badass scientists through, uh, you know, this realm, um, which is just chock full of danger uh, from mythical creatures and the like. And uh, he's taken on the job, but um, it is not an easy going to be an easy job. And, and the first arc is setting all this up and starting on the journey. Um, Nolan clearly has some issues. Uh, I'll leave it at that. Um, and, and, and we meet a number of different antagonists, uh, including an evil wizard who is part minion and that he's doing the bidding of higher powers, but also part someone kind of like Saruman who has aspirations that extend beyond just doing the bidding of, of, of the people that imbued him with the powers. So, um, uh, you know, I, I probably said this about Jeremy when we talked about the beauty. So at the risk of sounding um, like uh, I'm being redundant, he's never looked better. Um, as much as I think he looks great on the beauty, I, I think he looks even better here because he gets to stretch his muscles more. He gets to draw a lot, a lot, a lot of different things, a lot more. He gets to be a lot more creative um, with what he's drawing. And, uh, I just thought the first arc was an absolute blast. I am fully on board. Uh, anyone that's got any inkling for love of the dungeons and dragons or fantasy, you're going to love this book. Uh, it looks great. It's well paced. Um, the characters are, are, are easy to root for. And, uh, I, for one, uh, can't wait for the second arc, um, which is already underway, but I'm going to stick with it in trade since I bought this through trade. So the realm by image comics. Truth. 
It's truth. Yeah. Get on it. There's your church right there. Church. Tabernacle testimony. <laughs> yep. Mr. Brown, you, uh, you got anything? Uh, sort of. So, <laughs> I, I have something that I'm excited to read and I haven't read it yet. Um, at C2E2, uh, I got all four issues of a comic called This Offbeat Town, hmm. which is done by Jake Smith. It is done entirely by Jake Smith. Um, and from meeting him, Jake Smith appears to be in his early 20s. Um, and he has done everything on this book, um, even self-published it. So um, he is a man after my own heart. And it is super weird looking, and it has a monkey with a gun and a bunch of mutant things that explode and a lot of swearing. Um, but I am super impressed by him. He did Kickstarters, apparently, I think, for all four issues. Um, and, you know, he did all the... He wrote it, he drew it, he lettered it, he colored it. Um, and he self-published it. And it looks super professional. And um, I am absolutely blown away by it. And it's been sitting next to my drawing table since C2E2. And... I keep looking at it, but I still have not read it. Um, I will say this. There's a lot of swearing in it. <laughs> um, but he kind of looks like a um, like a super early James Heron um, mm -hmm. is the vibe that I'm getting. Oh. Uh, trad. Wow, that's big, that's big, big props. Yeah, yeah. So well, really he definitely good. is very influenced by James Heron. Um, you know, he has a lot of... Um, issues with his art that you could totally see in the next five years. Um, he will be past all of those and he will be um, a name that everyone will know if he keeps up with it. Like it is shockingly impressive for someone who is his age. Um, but he has a, uh, Tread Moore did the cover to his first issue. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's called this, this offbeat town and his name is Jake Smith. Um, and I'm going to try and hire him to do something because I think he's really talented. Nice. Do you know if, if other than seeing him at a con, if, if there's a way to, to get the comics? Um, let me look. So he publishes under uh, Dead Gremlin Comics with an X. Okay. And um, I'm not sure if he has an online store. He has a, he has a blog at jakesmithart.blogspot.com. Um, but, yeah, so I I had heard of this book, but I hadn't, mm -hmm. you know, seen it. But I, I uh, tra traded him for his issues at the uh, at the show. I think I traded him a trash bridge for, for these. Nice. Um, but I haven't read it yet, but it looks great. So that's, that's sort of my in my travels. Right nice. on. That's a great one. So he looks kind of like James Heron and and not David Rubin, which means that it's really good. <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> hey his, color, his color is also very strong, which is something that is, uh, I think his coloring and his lettering is really solid, which is something you usually don't see from younger comic creators because right. all they want to do is draw mm -hmm. badass, you know, superheroes. Um, so I really appreciate that he, 
knows how to color and knows how to letter at such an early stage in his career. Nice. Color's innate, but it's also learned. Like you just don't mm-hmm. burst into the scene fully formed being a great colorist. You have to there's a lot of a lot of battles you have to fight to be a, a, a good colorist. And um yeah. if this guy's that young and he's and as you say, he's he's a competent colorist, I gotta see this. Yeah, it's um it's it's one thing to be able to use color for an illustration, but coloring comics is very difficult in terms of using it to tell the story, um, using it on a page to highlight the important beats and giving it the right emotion uh, and right weight when it needs it. Um, you see a lot of people that color very early on and they use one palette for a page and it kind of all blends together. Um, but he seems to get the get the knack of using color to help tell the story, which is um, surprising. I got to tune in on this. Thank you for bringing it to our attention. Yeah, that's a great recommendation. Yep, sure. sure. It's hard to, uh, to to fling a comic at us that we've never heard of. So, yeah. Jason's not go. not taking the bait at all this episode. I've been dropping some David Rubin yeah, dissing, yeah. and he's just not going with it. Because it's, it's it's embarrassing for you. Oh, it's it's yeah. kind of like <laughs> kind of like on Severin, you know, like oh, he ain't all that. We're, we're, I'm just doing it to tease you. First of all, I didn't call. I didn't say that about Severin. You said that Ryan reminds you of Severin, and I just made a joke because Severin <laughs> is old. That they're you said old. he's old and busted. Well, number one, I mean, he's. He's dead. You think he's dead? Yes, <laughs> yes he yes. is. So, I know that's why the joke the joke fell <laughs> a little old, flat, but super nobody busted. Yeah, yeah, that that's really busted when you're dead. Yeah, <laughs> it's not like he can hear me. No, well, you don't know that. You I don't do know. know um, I'm we do. Sure of that. We have a Patreon shout out. We do. Damn, sorry, Patreon shout outer. Well, this, this week I will be. Um, thanks, Vince. There was uh, my pleasure. That's I wasn't expecting to see when I went to the Slack. So, the <laughs> shout out is <laughs> yeah, right there. So fine. Uh, Craig Marsh, thank you very much for patronizing us. We have the. Um, I might as well let everybody know today that uh, the book of the month was decided last week uh just forgot sadly to mention that that no one knew it wasn't what it was going to be it, it was pretty much a runaway slide um the book of the month for this month that we will have read probably for the oh next week <laughs> is uh infinity gauntlet by Jim Starlin and George Perez and Ron Lim and company. Perfectly um, timed, by the way. Yes. Right. Yes. Uh, so we will have that read before almost all of us see the movie. Opening night. The um, the runners-up, there will probably be a couple of runners-up that uh, will be included in the May book of the month. Uh, maybe a couple of new editions. We'll see how things play out. But there you go. That is um, that 
is our uh, little patron corner for this week. Although there is, um, aside from Jason's awesome astro log, as he uh, very quickly reviews um, each issue from the second volume. Uh, today, what is the third issue, right? Uh, yesterday was the fourth issue will be going up momentarily. Okay. Um, along with Vince's daily covers. That we got. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because Vince has now done 218 cover of the days, Whoa. which is hella impressive. It is. Kudos, Vince. You got to no, thank, was... thank Dap for that because he showed me a, something that, you know, made it a lot easier. That's oh, all the staging. That's stop, that's, stop. Don't you know we, the sausage and all that? Sausage, okay. Yeah, See, yes. Cool. The co- the cover today was Vampirella. <laughs> that's right. right. Two hundred forty six. Now days. wait. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on a second. Uh, it's the two hundred forty six cover of the day. Yeah. But in our in our tag, it only has two hundred eighteen. So you must not have tagged them all. No, I tagged oh. them all. I just I don't know why that is like that. Um, I may Weird. have. I oh, may you have, may have. It's 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 case sensitive. Right. Right. Got but okay. but the, the so cover is it's 246 consecutive covers. Right. Yes. The cover for today, uh, that Vampirella cover is one of my all time favorite covers. It's a cool cover. It I is like a, a beautiful cover. Yeah. It really is. And um, Mr. San Julian, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And if you'd like to see what all this fuss is about, go to our Patreon site, uh, patreon.com forward slash 110C, no apostrophe comics um and uh, we're having a lot of fun and Mm -hmm. i just want to let everyone know that i mean i don't know how much value this has for you but um i include a uh a standard size comic book backer with all my patreon care packages and um i'll write on it you know hey thanks a lot blah 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 but i've gotten into the habit of writing the show notes on the back of comic book backers. So <laughs> what you're going to get is not only a thank you from me on one side, but on the other side, you will get an actual piece of 11 o'clock comic history because you will be getting a, a page of show notes. That's great. Yeah, That's I mean, awesome. it, it's, 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 it's not really awesome. Nah, I'm, I'm glad dude, to do it. People love that stuff. I'm glad I think that, it's really fun. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, right. Yeah. So I'm just, I mean, you will be getting, like, say, you'll get episode 535, and on the other side, it'll be, hey, buddy, thank you very much for, for supporting us. We love you so much. And we do. It's no lie. We love you for, for uh, sending a little bit of Skrilla our way to continue doing what we do at the frequency that you demand, which is more than four episodes a month, more like eight. Um, or it's six right now. Or it could be eight. It could be. Eight's not a category, but okay. But it should be. If it's not, it should be. Well, we, we'll have one of those off, off-site board meetings, and we'll talk about that. Yeah, and I'll get shot down again, but that's okay. Probably, yeah. Right. That's all right. Uh, g- good job on the... Uh previous videos from you two um mm-hmm. mine will be up uh hopefully by this weekend because i i finished the marvel preview so i just gotta rip my pages out so i, I can see. i haven't i haven't what happened did he get dropped we lost him we oh, did no. he, he was so excited to make that previous video he hung up yeah <laughs> no he's still there it's just that we're not hearing i'm here from... oh there you oh, are there you are hi Surprise. that was weird 
He was hey, looking Brumbeard. at he was looking at the Slack channel. That's what he was doing. Uh, no, it's still actually that's still minimized. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, stay focused, man. Think about baseball. Um, the uh, so yes, yeah, so hopefully mine will be done this weekend. I'll um, I'll have that prepped. I haven't watched yours yet. I'll I'll watch them after. Um, I do mines, but uh, and we um, and there's a little um game if you want to call it that that uh, people can play with uh, where, where you let us know. Uh, well, you know what? The patrons need to find that that little post. So that's going to be so that's fun. It. That's going to be fun. I'm loving what everybody's been writing. Um, we'll definitely be reading some of those off a- as we do it. I'm still making my list. We'll probably we'll, we'll do that um, probably sometime in uh, in May. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking of of doing the cross time caper, but that's just too long. It doesn't fit within the restrictions of what you asked for. Yeah, I think that would violate Dad's rule. Yeah. Yes. So I mean, we're looking for like four or six part. Yes. Right. Twelve. Oh, within, to fit, but the, within twelve is an too long. Series. Right. Within. Right. Yeah, so so no so no crossovers. But cross time time, time caper would have been great. We should look at the cross time capers. It's cool, you know, yeah. I mean, that could be a book of the oh, month or something. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, we can. I mean, there yeah. are definitely things that. I mean, we're not. I'm not looking for your you know favorite stories or or you know, mm-hmm. team. This is very specific little okay. uh, type of. There's some qualifiers there. Right. And one, just one minor clarification to what Dap was saying uh, on the the new Astro Log, which is what I'm calling that. This is. Uh, it's not just Volume Two. I just started with Volume Two because we did the. We did a deep dive on the show yes. for volume one. Right. Um, but, 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 uh, barring, um, my losing focus, uh, the goal is to review the entirety of Astro City until I'm caught up, um, in that form. So, nice. um, I know there's been many volumes, but, uh, I'm just going to go chronologically. Cool. And for those of you playing at home, what you don't know is, um, I think I started a couple weeks ago. I, Put dirty pictures on the Slack when really Jason do talk about not showing a sausage is made. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when when Jason's doing his in your travels, I will put up dirty pictures to try and get him to laugh, and it never works. Because <laughs> I don't have True. Slack on one of them in your travels. I'm focused. We well, should. Who doesn't like dirty pictures? Love the dirty. Pictures, I'm talking dirty those. pictures. <laughs> oh shit! The person. Shit! The, the, my son okay, was just so... in the room. <laughs> I have like you sla- haven't seen that before. I have the slack open. You and, don't know and by that. By the way, let's also one final time. Um, we got the the God hates astronauts Kickstarter, which you yes. can find right now under. You can go to Kickstarter, search for Ryan Brown with an E at the end, or God hates astronauts or GHA. Any of those things will pull it up. But but um, as 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 our reward for graciously having you on our show again, Ryan, you need to let us know what are the yet to be unveiled. Um, uh, uh, bonus tiers. Um, well, the big one that uh, I'm sort of excited to do is I was going to do a uh, new God Aids Astronauts mini comic. Mm. Oh, nice. That, um, I will do as a digital add on for people. Okay. Um, but we will see if we will get there. It will be done in the style of Blast Furnace where I spend an hour on each page writing and drawing it and just have fun doing some weird stuff. Um, but it, uh, I think the idea now is it won't be printed in the hardcover. It will only be something you can get from back in the Kickstarter. Love so, it. Yeah. Way to do it. All right. 
Well, sir, it was great to have you on. Yeah, it was super fun. I love talking to you guys. To, uh, to, to wallow in the gutters of our baseball leagues. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah, I'm not doing great. I always finish all right, but uh, you do. boy, <laughs> I don't know. That might, this might not be my year. <laughs> I was doing great when Adam Eaton was great, and then he got injured like two different times. And uh, yeah, it's Adam Eaton. I have more dudes on on the day. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, it's been real. The other day, I counted, I had 15 players not playing because of uh, postponements. Oh, yeah, so, the weather's Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah which is wild. But, yeah, we'll uh, find out. Ryan, before you go, uh, tell them a, a little bit about Trash Bridge. Because you didn't, uh-huh. re- you didn't really focus on that. Yeah. Uh, well, Trash Bridge is a book that I'm writing with Steve Seeley, and it's my love letter to like direct to VHS B movies of the eighties. Oh, um, you got my it's, heart. It's, it's like our, our trauma buddy cop escape from New York, Mad Max book. Um, and we're trying to hit all the like, um, stereotypes of those kind of movies. So there's, there's plenty of mutants in it and like ridiculous, uh, tragedy and you know that that whole kind of uh, re- over the top post apocalyptic buddy cop mutant whatever all in one um, and it's about uh, in the distant future uh, the world is so ecologically uh, ravaged by pollution that uh, the skies are filled with toxic storms and the seas are filled with giant mutant creatures so travel um, between North America and Europe has ceased. So uh, there's this joint coalition to recycle all of their garbage and build a transatlantic super bridge, uh, which soon becomes referred to as the trash bridge. And so our story is about the cops that have to police the bridge as people move out onto the bridge and have um, trash bridge truck stops and, um, you know, trash bridge motels and, there's becomes this whole ecosystem of people living on a bridge made out of garbage. Uh, but what happens is that the, the government has illegally buried a bunch of medicinal waste in the bridge and, uh, it started to spawn trash mutants. And so the bridge, um, pretty quickly becomes overrun, uh, with, uh, kind of toxic Avenger style mutants. So that's, and that's the book. And where can they get it? Uh, it's a good question. They can get it from my Etsy store. That's that's the only place you can get it right now. Look at that. Um, Exclusive. Yeah, we did. So, I mean, we've been having a lot of fun with it, and we think it's really funny. Um, it's written to be straight, you know? Like, it's not – it's a humor book, but everyone is – like, it's – it's it's you're supposed to laugh at it, but it doesn't have any, like, actual, like, concrete jokes in it. Um so we were a little nervous about people getting the tone. So we self-published an edition, a numbered edition of 300. Um, and so that you can get, we have a few left um, on the, uh, on my Etsy store, but it so far so good. People seem to like absolutely get what we're doing and think it's funny instead of just like a weird over expository police book on a bridge man out of garbage. So, Yeah. <laughs> Only from you. (laughs) 
think it's I think it's really funny. I don't it, know. <laughs> it, it does. Sounds it. it sounds great. Um, so okay, uh, let's recap for those who uh, have a short attention spans. Um, God hates astronauts. The Kickstarter. The uh, just go to Kickstarter, type in "God hates astronauts," and it'll come up. Look on uh, Mr. Brownie's Etsy store for the Trash Bridge, and while you're at it, pick up curse words from Image Comics with that he uh, co-creates with Mr. Charles Soul. It's awesome, and uh, he is too. So we would like to thank Ryan Brown for being here with us once again. Uh, open door policy. Whenever you want to come on, you can. Oh man, thanks guys. I mean, this has been a ton of fun. I love talking about comics. I actually don't do it very often, so it was uh, it's always fun and like listening to the show and hearing people actually fill me in as to what is happening in comics is always helpful. Nice. <laughs> and and the fact that you actually read Action Comics One Thousand <laughs> for this show, I mean, you took one for the team. Thank you very much. Hey, man, it made me real sad. I felt real bad for Superman. <laughs> I don't fall by myself. I want to be. Uh, Ryan so, read the Bizarro issue of Action Comics 1000. No, he read the correct one. No, no, no. <laughs> I think it was supposed to be sad. Wasn't it I think to be Ryan sad? and I just didn't get our rose-colored glasses in our package. No, we didn't, we didn't have them. Come with them. They, no, just, ours just didn't left either. Part at the shop. Exactly. So. And, and his testicles. Right. So it's so it's so uh, unmasculine to 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 dislike uh, an anniversary gimmick issue for eight bucks. Oh my god! <laughs> oh my god! Seriously? <laughs> oh, this this oh. issue was full of heart and soul and loving and just in reverent. the middle. It's the bookends of the problem. All right. Hey everybody, uh, we <laughs> we thank you very much for being here come back next week we'll be doing the same thing all over again with different book topics yeah oh next week's book of the month yep yes uh, and do we have established five minutes ago sorry do we have an episode in between like a, we like need a... to do another episode yes we need two more episodes this month oh nice so sunday maybe sunday maybe sunday yeah mayhap I love it. <laughs> Come back, or one of us, I'm not saying which, will be getting super salty, and we can't have that. Super Saiyan salty. Uh, say goodnight. Ryan. I'm, I'm supposed to? Are you going to no, no, say no, goodnight no, no, to me? No, no, no. Dad's going to say goodnight. David. <sighs> goodnight. That's a hard one. Difficult. Well, no one said Ryan. David. Well done. Mm, I don't know. <laughs> You're so cute. I got to check that it. That was good. No, he thinks he's always on the uh, mark, but. Yeah, but the, yeah, I know. But then, yeah, I, like how, I like how you try to keep me on my toes by like, eh, maybe you kind of fucked up this week. I, no, I never more. say fucked I, up. I still love you. I still love you. Oh, boy. Just come okay. back next week. Oh, and shout out to uh, Team Deadly Class. Sci Fi picked up the series. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. No, they did. No, they did. It's official. No, we'll see, meaning that it's going to sci-fi, which would, could mean that it's going to be utter Yeah, but the Russo brothers yeah. are doing it, though. So yeah, that's true. I'm too bad they're not doing Krypton. I, I can't speak on Krypton because it's yeah. not Superman, but... That's rough. No, nah, it is rough. No, I watched... Superman, I mean... They, they even tried it's... to give me Adam Strange. It's still rough. It's not about Superman. 
It's not. It's Best Superman's grandfather. I'm like, Thank wow, this you. was not. This was oh, okay, great. Did, did uh, did what's his name show up and destroy Krypton? Brainiac? No, no he's the talking dude from Bendis's issue. Damn. The new guy. The new guy. The guy we all loved. Did he sh- does he show up and blow up Krypton? <laughs> you guys suck. No, maybe, maybe it's the uh, season finale. Maybe it's the cliffhanger. Oh, nice. So sorry. By the way, you know how at the Flash TV show we were begging for him not to fight a speedster for a season? <laughs> he can go back to fighting speedsters. <laughs> See, I don't want him to fight the cripple. It's like, why was it to an extreme? Why did we have to either fight a speedster or some dude who can't run? Can I just have somebody, a normal goddamn, not even walk, let alone run? But it's like, hey. I'm like three, I'm two episodes behind. It's so rough. It's dude, rough. Even my nine year old's like, this is kind of boring. It is. I'm like, man, when you can't entertain a nine year old with the superhero show, you got issues. Okay. Uh, I, was... <laughs> I heard Lost in Space is good, though. Yeah, me too. I got to watch that. I'll yeah. Same season. Same season. Come back next week. We will be here waiting for you. Again, huge accolades to Mr. Ryan Brown for being here with us, for enduring this stuff. Uh, <laughs> we love him so much. You you will too. Check out his stuff if you haven't already. <laughs> what? Why, no, why? I, I love that they will. They they should. They will maybe and they, they should. Maybe they already do. Maybe well, maybe my wife is do. listening. Maybe well, I, I I doubt that. But I'm not I'm not really pointing the finger at the people who already bought in. I'm pointing the finger at the people who haven't yet. And that's the ones you want, right? So if you haven't checked out any of Ryan's stuff, do so. He's amazing. That's why we have yeah. him here. We don't You also not, have no excuses unless you're new to our show cause, Seriously, we're not Bush League. We don't have yeah. anybody on who's not good. We don't tell you to buy some shit if we don't mean it. Exactly. We'll be back. You should too. Say goodnight. Let's end this. Kill it. Stake through the heart. Stay woke. Shot through the heart and you're too late. Oh boy. You can (laughs) If only. (sighs) 